welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Leland, a huge week in the Shenandoah District. And I mean, again, I know we talked about this in the episode last week, leading into this week, that this was going to be a huge week, especially at the top. And it was. And and, um, you like to point out when I was wrong, so I'll point out when I was right. (laughs) Stanton had a good week. I I know it ended in a not good way with the loss to Floyd County, but it was a big, big win in Fishersville over Wilson Memorial to get that win. And then pole vault themselves to top in the Shenandoah district. And then they go on, they take care of business against Waynesboro. Didn't have that, you know, easy kind of trap game between Wilson and Floyd um, took Waynesboro seriously. And then they did lose to Floyd on Saturday, but still really good week for Stanton. It puts yeah. them right where they want to be in terms of their postseason. And uh, on the flip side for Wilson, you know, the loss to Stanton and then a loss to Spotswood, which not a district loss. That's okay. But as we touched on, that was kind of a measuring stick game for them when they get into the region. And, and that one did not go well. Not that they got blown out in either yeah, game, yeah. but losses are something that you're going to want to work on and correct, especially, you know, when you look at the score in that second game, it was just against Spotswood, um, incredibly low scoring. I, I think that was kind of one of the positives I was going to kind of bring back for Wilson there. Yeah, not a great week, but you know, you didn't get blown out in either one. You're in both ball games and that Spotswood game being a measuring stick that there's not a lot of measuring stick between you and them. And I think your defense kind of showed that you could slow them down. Now your offense didn't really get going either. And I, I haven't noticed Spotswood having these scores come back where they're holding teams down to 36 points a lot. So I just have to put a, a bit more of that on Wilson who has had a bit more of that, where you've seen some lower scoring games and games they've mostly won. So I'm hoping that Stanton Wilson measuring stick with the rest of three C's a little bit closer than we get scared of it being sometimes. And, you know, at this point with Stanton leading the district, you, you hope that can kind of propel, okay, if, if Stanton's just a little bit better than Wilson and maybe Spotswood is too, maybe Stanton and Spotswood on a similar, you know, peak right there and, and maybe we can get a little run out of uh, Stanton or or even Wilson learn from that and get better. So I, I'm, I, I didn't take it as a full negative from Wilson. I think it still showed something, but Stanton had the better week because they won. They got the more wins. Also showing decently against Floyd County, you know, we'll, we'll take that all as, as positive because that's where a lot of the positives lied in the district last week. You know, when you start going down the chain there, you got Fort Defiance who was trying to be one of those top three teams. Well, they lose to Buffalo Gap and kind of put themselves in a, in a category with Buffalo Gap instead of, you know, still hanging around the category with Wilson and Stanton. So, um, you know, and, and Riverheads had a pretty bad week and, um, you know, so it's just, you know, uh, some other disappointments. I was glad the top kind of, you know, put itself on the map as we start to look at the region playoffs that are, you know, coming up in a few weeks. Yeah, and I, I really do think when you look at that region tournament that's going to be coming up in a few weeks that it's going to be Stanton. I, I don't think Wilson's far away, but yeah. the games, I don't know. I wasn't. I didn't have the opportunity to watch it because I was busy with other things going on this weekend. I, I cut it on in the middle, and I, I, that was all I got. But, well, I'll ask you then because you watched more of it than I did. Uh, and, I didn't watch enough to really comment. I, I had it on, and it, it, Stanton was up. Was it a poster child for the shot clock is my, is my question. Uh, <laughs> nah, yeah. It was just a rough game. Just, just a rough, rough game. Just 
a lot of challenged possessions. I, I won't say, uh, you know, holding the ball out as much, but just, you know, good challenge shots, maybe working, working the play clock a little bit, which there is none, uh, but not excessively just, you know, being very deliberate and, and making sure they're getting the most out of each possession was kind of the way I'd like to frame it a little bit more than, what you're, you're, what you're driving at. Hey, you know, it wasn't four corners. It, it wasn't that. So, yeah, it was it was better than that. Okay, but, I mean, there's four corners and there's passing the ball around the three-point line because you know you don't have to shoot it. Everybody wants to shoot that three these days. <laughs> I'd like to play basketball these days. And I think, you know. Everybody's just looking for their best three-point opportunity. It's for the shot like. clock. I don't um, know. I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic about what we learned from, from this week, which is typical me. Um, so, that's fine. But, I tend to dole out a little more realism. and You do. You do. I, I, and, and usually when I kind of get on my heels and don't argue with what you're saying, there's probably some meaning to that, too, <laughs> where I acknowledge yeah, right. you, might, you might have a point. <laughs> but on the flip side, when we're talking about regions, okay, so that's region three, but Buffalo Gap had a good week, and I think this may be yeah. – <sighs> I still don't know what to make of this Gap team. It seems to be a Jekyll and Hyde team. Um, we know they have good players, but it seems to be one week they look great. The other week we're like, well, I don't know. Um, again, we've touched on it. Class 1B is not – going to see the kind of teams that they're playing in class these class three c teams they're playing in district but it's not a terrible terrible region either like it is in football outside of riverhead so they're going to be tested there and they need to be able to as we keep saying you need to not play lancaster in that first game because if you play lancaster in that first game you want to win this region you're going to need you could have the buffalo gap all-star team in their prime built take a time machine go back and get those kids in their prime when they're at buffalo gap and you're still not beating lancaster so (laughs) We won't take the whole. We won't take the whole history of Buffalo Gap there, but probably the recent. I'll take the Gap whole movie. history of Buffalo Gap and say they're not yeah, yeah, okay. We're gonna have a guest on later that that would argue with you about some of the some of the names okay. you throw out there, but maybe the 2010s. I'll, I'll, I'm with you. <laughs> That's fine. I Lancaster's really good. They are. They're very good. But they, so Gap does have a big week. They have an opportunity. And now I put Fort Defiance and Buffalo Gap in that second category, and that's where they are. There's no. There's no arguing that but they do get to play Wilson on Tuesday. They get them uh, on the road there. I'm, I'm eager to see what kind of game that is. And even, even if they lose, I want to, I want to see them in that game. If I'm going to think, Hey, they're really using, you know, they won four straight or they kind of keeping that momentum playing good basketball. They can play good basketball in a loss to still prove that to me. That is a game I'm looking to cut on tomorrow night. Uh, and then they close out the week with Waynesboro. So I'm, I'm looking at what Gap can do. I think Fort has a big week. That's another three C team, but they play Riverheads Tuesday, a team they lost to last time, and then Wilson, a team they beat last time. So they have a big like, you know, they need to get revenge in one game and and hold off revenge in the other game. And you know, do I think Fort is gonna beat Wilson this time? I I don't. I think Wilson's better team than yeah. them. But they have that opportunity this week. So I, those are the two teams I'm really watching this week. As we as we see Stanton just have draft this week. Wilson, yeah, they have uh you know Gap and Fort. You know, two of the teams I'm talking about here. I'm more looking at what Fort and Gap does. Does this gap get wider between the top tier and the second tier, or do we see a surprise in there? And this is a district we've seen plenty of surprises. We've seen plenty of bottom beaten top. So I, I'm just watching those teams this week to kind of surprise me. Yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying there, but um, this is Leland's optimism again. What do you mm-hmm. want? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the podcast. 
moving <laughs> moving to the girls' side. Uh, Wilson really has a chance to put this thing away this week. I mean, yeah. if they beat Fort again, it's over. They might have already, yeah. But they, they, yeah, it might be over already. But with a win, if Coach Gale and Fort Defiance and the girls can knock off Wilson Memorial, they're at least in the conversation. If Wilson wins that game, it's over. They're the district champions. Um, and, and that's because Fort did lose a game last week to Buffalo Gap. And, and Buffalo Gap is, since getting healthy, this is kind of the team that I thought we might see in the regular season the whole way uh, that would really be a problem for a lot of teams in the Shenandoah district. They're unfortunately because of the injuries, I don't think they have a prayer at winning the district at this point, but boy, we're talking about the Buffalo gap boys having a chance, but being inconsistent, the girls team now that they're healthy has been nothing but consistent. And that's gotta be a problem for one B. And, and I watched them Friday. I was going to go to the boys game, ended up going to the girls game at Riverheads instead. And, Man, what stood out, and I think it was her best game of the season, so of course it stood out, but Avi Bradley, she had seven three-pointers. She had four in the like first quarter and a half and, and then had the fifth and the sixth and the seventh, and you just knew, you know, I'm there as a Riverheads fan. I'm not going to lie about it, and I'm, you know, we ain't going to beat this team with, with this girl shooting. Maybe, maybe someone wants to stick a, fa- a hand in her face. Uh, she had 22 points and, uh, you know, 21 of that from beyond the arc, so just an absolute great game from her. And that Riverheads gap game, traditionally, doesn't matter if we're talking guys or girls, it's a physical game and, and bodies are flying everywhere. And it was no different on Friday night. And a lot of fight in Riverheads, but they have lost six of seven. So, you know, that felt a little desperate from them. But Gap responded to that well. And in this region, the same. You want to win this region. You want to come out, set yourself up well in that state tournament. Being that battle-tested from these three C teams being battle tested from the physicalness that they get in the rivalry with Riverheads. I, I think Buffalo gap is, is kind of, you know, ascending towards that peak that we want to see them on and it, and it could just work out for the better. I think they took their bumps and bruises early and it might help them from getting a surprise late. So um, I'm excited about what they can do. I'm excited about their opportunity. They have this week for Buffalo gap against Wilson, just like the boys. Uh, so that's going to be kind of my biggest game to watch. I honestly, the girls gap at Wilson game is what will be on my NFHS feed on Tuesday. Cause I just think that's a, a really interesting game. I think gaps playing some of the best basketball in this area right now. Uh, Wilson, obviously eight, no in the district is as well. So I, it's just putting the two hottest teams playing each other right now together. So I'm excited about that game Tuesday night. And, and maybe that's what, you know, for Fort fans, maybe that's what you're hoping at this point, you're rooting for gap too. Cause if gap beats Wilson and then you beat Wilson, all of a sudden, the district race is on, and yeah. and that helps. But and and then if you're a Gap fan, me saying you have no chance of winning this district, I look like an idiot. So and we're for that always. Yeah, Leland is always for that and <laughs> reminding everyone that. So um, that that will be a huge huge ball game there on Tuesday. And I think you're right. Uh, I don't think Gap is. I think the win streak does come to an end there. But if they do Maybe. find a way to beat Wilson, and I, that's not if it does, that's not Gap not being good. That's just Wilson is really yeah. also really good. Wilson um, has a history of being really good. So. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, getting done with high school basketball talk, it just works naturally to roll right into bringing on our guests this week. Darrell Crawford, uh, you have uh, been putting together uh, this documentary and you have a podcast going, uh, Valley Boys, that I've caught wind of a couple months ago, but uh, – the latest preview just made me think, you know, this thing's about to get uh, 
about to explode. So I was trying to jump on the bandwagon as soon as I could, because this looks awesome. But Darrell, thanks for coming on with us uh, to talk about this big project that you've taken on. Hey, thank, hey, thank you for having me. Um, and, and yeah, you're right to get in on the basement level. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, tell our audience, maybe not everybody knows. I think we've mentioned it a time or two on the podcast, uh, you know, here and there, um, just talking about when we saw the previews, but, you know, tell our audience, you know, what you're working on, what you're doing and, uh, and, and what we're looking forward to. Okay. Well, well, I'll tell you how this, you know, I'll start off about how this thing was birthed actually. Um, it, it was really during COVID when everyone was out of work. Um, and I think that's pretty well documented, um, even yeah. through when Patrick Hyde told, uh, interviewed us, um, as COVID lifted and, and Todd Dunnings and I were just running around talking, trying to get pictures and everything together. Uh, we ran into an old friend of ours named Carl Melton, take one imaging who actually is a videographer and was wanting to uh, do a documentary, pitched the idea to him. He loved it. We had already, had so many things in place because of course COVID gave us so much time um, to, to do these things, man. So, you know, the research with a lot of uh, players from our era and, you know, um, and us growing up watching them. So what ended up happening slowly was people from the Valley started to chime in. What about this player? What about this player? Don't forget this girl. We were like, man, you know what? We are really missing a lot. So we ended up creating um, the Valley Boys Facebook page, um, the podcast, and we opened it up to the Valley. This thing is bigger than us now. So we opened it up. And once we opened it up, the floodgates opened. (laughs) And and we're like, "Uh uh-oh. What, what do we do, you know? So, and that's kind of where we are now, but the podcast is doing really well. We're putting up, we're putting out one a month. We're trying to pump it up to two, um, but it's, you know, as you know, it's a yeah. lot of work. A lot of work. Yep. Especially when you have full-time jobs as well. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you guys are going based on research, you know, to cover the, the players from, you know, I guess any era I've seen you post on a, a wide range, but you know, for a lot of the, 80s and 90s basketball players from the Shenandoah Valley and, uh, you know, a lot of the Stanton guys and Harrisonburg. And there's so much story of the rivalry, Waynesboro, you know, all that. But then yeah. I've loved the coverage where, it, you know, you know, Central Woodstock's had a lot of good players come through here and a lot of good rivalry matchups with uh, Valley District and and whatnot. And, and so I love how it's expanded because it, it tells the whole story. And, and you know, I'm only getting it in clips here and, and uh I might not have listened to every minute of these podcasts quite yet, but like it's just setting up for such a special product that you guys are going to have at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, Central came in, of course, because during my era, uh, I'm watching Kenny Lambiot and then Walker Lambiot. He's a little older, but I'm a freshman when he's playing against our Robert um, E. Lee team. Yeah. So, um, they were the fr- actually Kenny Lambiot and Walker were the very first two players that I reached out to during COVID, and they were so receptive, man. They was like, "Look, I, oh Mark Newland as well." 
called Mark Newland from uh, now you you guys aren't going to remember Mark Newland. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Newland is actually pre Walker and Kenny um he came out of he signed with UVA uh I did a spotlight on him as well on the Valley Boys page but those three players were the first ones that I reached out to um to kind of see if I had their support in doing something like this man they have been nothing but great from the very first time I picked up the phone, called them, and uh, I can't say enough good things about those guys, man. They they really pushed this project forward for us. So I mean, I, I've talked about the expanse of it, but it, selfishly, I'm most interested uh, because you know I was born in 1984, so that's in the middle of of the era you're talking about here, and I you know I was I wasn't old enough to understand who was who was good at basketball until Corey Alexander was probably the, the big star around here. I know you have him involved. Um, yep. You know, talk about some of these guys that um, from that, from, from this eighties and nineties, some more of those names that, like, that people are going to be able to find out more about once, uh, once you get this documentary out, as you're doing the podcast, you can hear more about these guys. So, so what got the conversation started was this. We had a, we had five McDonald's all Americans and, and, basketball um we're not going to count christy tolliver right now she would be the six but from route we had ralph sampson we had kenny uh walker lambiot i'm sorry ralph sampson walker lambiot kevin madden dale curry and Corey alexander we had those five mcdonald's all americans with literally from 1979 ralph is the first one to Corey alexander in 1990 1991. So really in an 11 or 12-year period, we've had, we had five McDonald's All-Americans with a plethora of other Division I basketball players in between that. But we, we was like, oh, my God, the Valley – Kevin and Walker were the same exact year, 1985. Like, imagine that. Two of the best wow. basketball <laughs> players to in America – yeah. See each other three or four times a year. Can you imagine what those games were like when Walker and Central Woodstock would come to Stanton and play? And and not to mention, you 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 got guys down in Harrisonburg like Buster Bird and, and you got guys in Waynesboro, Reggie Harris and Kenny Brooks who went to jam. You like the it, like truly, man, you you literally have two or three division one basketball players on the court every single night in the valley district so that is what spawned the idea okay let's focus on 1979 the first mcdonald's all-american to 1991 the last mcdonald's all-american right and and we were going to focus on on that for the documentary yeah um so and, and and that's what got us going that era right there um Ralph to Corey. And and that's what got but of course since then <laughs> the tentacles have <laughs> you're gonna be like one of those PBS series that are, you know, the the like the pay, the baseball series where it's uh twelve episodes <laughs> right. and it's gonna be right. oh you can do so much. Oh my god, man. Um and, and and the thing that that's coming to light now is the guys that I know now because I live in Northern Virginia. So it's the guys from your era. Now, of course, I know Tyler, um, 
we're related. I, I've, you know, so I follow the Valley, but there are, there are guys that came from my era that I forget. And people are inboxing me, inboxing me. And they're telling me, Hey man, post this guy. You forgot about him. Oh, I did. And I'm post. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting a re-education, but I'm also learning about some of the girls that we've started talking about, yeah. but just, you know, um, just for documentary purposes, we're going to focus on that. And that's, that's the biggest struggle uh, right now is I, I think to get um, the, the Valley educated on what the documentary is going to be about. And, and that's what I'm excited about. And I think you've actually narrowed it for me. And I, and yeah. I'm, I, I think I'm most excited about, you know, kind of right before I was old enough to understand. And, and what you said it is that, you know, it is when I was a young, young guy and to be spoon fed it with the quality that I've seen in, in those clips that you put out. I'm just so excited that, I mean, it, you, you think local, local broadcast, local production here, and, and you think you're lacking something. This looks like a straight 30 for 30 on ESPN. I, I'm just super excited that I'm going to be able to learn everything I want to learn about locally with such good quality, you know, and not, and not have to sacrifice anything. I'm just, that's what I'm really excited about. Well, well, that would definitely be a, 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 a tip of the cap to uh, Carl Milton and take one imaging. Carl is, he came on board, man. And, you know, um, Todd and I, we didn't know what I'll tell you a little funny story, a little nugget. So mm-hmm. during COVID, we, we call a um, production company. I watch a, um, documentary on Netflix. Forget the name of it. It was about a little Muslim girl who, uh, the, the hijab. Yeah. They, they wouldn't let her wear it in her high school games or something. They did a documentary. So at the end of the credits, I, you know, I'm like, okay, let me look them up. So I look them up. I get in contact with the people and they're like, I pitched them the idea. Now I am really at this time in the infant stage, right? I, you know, I don't have any of these clips you guys are seeing. None of that. All I of pictures, uh, you know, my bedroom was covered with newspapers and everything. That's all I had. <clears throat> I'm taking pictures of it. I send it up there to this production company. They like the idea. It's just during COVID. Um, they shelf it pretty much. They like, uh, you know, none of the names are big enough, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, man, God, man. Ralph Samson's not big enough name? (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, so I'm in my gut, in my gut, I said, I I know I have something. I knew, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And um, just, just from a chance meeting, uh, bumping into Carl when I came home to uh, visit, I ran into Carl. He was just leaving the music production industry a few years early, and he was getting into videography. And I said, listen, man, I got something that you may be interested in, um, and I really need your help. He said, send me what you have. And by this time, it had expanded. I sent him everything over maybe on a Monday, I don't know, maybe even a Sunday evening. by Wednesday night or Thursday morning, he had hit me back. He said, I am all in. That's awesome. He said, I am all in. And since then, all the all the video you see, everything, it's all been Carl. That's and take, yeah, it's all been Carl. 
And then that has to that has to reinforce, you know, you have something good here when, you know, someone that has op, you know, isn't isn't yeah. dependent on you. I mean, they could do a lot of it and it's all in that quick. That's that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, man. So yeah, he he's he's been great. So he's actually a valley boy. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to talk to you when you've been making this documentary and putting this stuff together, what has been one of your favorite stories that is going to be told? Pee Wee Barber, without question. Well, there, there's two of them, Pee Wee Barber story and, and um, Keith Scott and Elliot Dickerson. Um, that story with, are you guys familiar with that? I, I read the Pee Wee, like he had a newspaper article yeah, probably, maybe before COVID, I, I, somewhere in there. That, that's the, that was my awareness of that. Yeah. I didn't know it before then. Mm-hmm. So, so Pee Wee is an interesting story, just based off of his past um, struggles and um, I guess taking left turns when you should have took a right turn. You know, to be nice about it. Um, his his struggles are well documented. In, in the valley, um, and they'll be touched upon in the in the documentary as well. Um, Pee Wee is is really man a he. It, it, it's it hits close to home for me um, strictly because I understand what he went through. Um, it, it it's he's sweetheart of a guy, man. Like it's it's crazy to know that he actually had a life sentence in prison, a life sentence. And it, it, it just amazes me that, uh, you know, when you sit down and talk to him, right. Yeah. And it's, and, and you saw the things he did on the basketball court and it is, it, it's like, what a, like a life sentence. Like it, like it'll blow your mind. Right. So that one right there is is the story that truly um, touches my heart. Now, you can say Pee Wee 1A and Keith Scott 1B or however you want to switch them, but the, the second one is Keith Scott because a near and dear friend of mine, Elliot Dickerson, who was also a great friend of Corey Alexander, a great friend of Keith Scott, a great friend of a lot of ours, um, was shot and killed um, the night of the Waynesboro Lehigh rivalry in 1989. I think that was 1989. It could have been 90. It could have been February of 90, but it was definitely the 80. It was the state championship team. Yeah. That 1990 least team. Um, so it was after the Waynesboro game that night. And, um, you know, Elliot was a white kid. And uh, he got killed in, in a predominantly black neighborhood over in, in Stanton. And uh, he was a friend of all about it. When it, 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 it shook the community, man, to it. I, I don't know if I, re, I, I know for a fact, Bam hadn't recovered from it yet. You know, you know um, it, it, because Elliot was killed in front of Bam. Um, when I say Bam, I'm talking about Keith Scott. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Bam. <laughs> Biz, Marcus Reed, Coco, Corey Alexander, Henry Barber, Popsicle, Sidney Diggs. So that's a Valley Boy shirt right here. Yeah, so. there you go. Yeah. Um, how much? How much do those run? 
<laughs> I'll get matter of fact for you guys nothing. I'll get you guys. No, no, I ain't asking for no. Make make money off us. We're fans. You got to make money off us. But uh, those those will sell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, th- so those two stories, um, in a nutshell, they they are really near and dear to my heart. Um, and I hope that we can do it justice in the documentary. Um we were not really trying to ever touch the race subject, but the BAM story will touch it a little. Yeah. It, it, it was, it, you know, it was heart wrenching, man. It, it, have, have you guys ever uh, talked to anybody about that night or we, we have it. I I'm actually wrote down a note there um, to kind of go back. Cause again, that's, I, I didn't, I don't have a lot of awareness of it in, in all honesty. So you right now, I know I'm going to learn a lot from this documentary. From this story out and i'm sure a lot of other things but uh yeah i you have to you have to hit that hard i mean that's that's huge yeah if you if you guys talk to pat if you know just on some downtime because he did a story on i think he's actually probably the person who did the article um on on keith and and elliot um uh, some years ago uh and and it's funny look i'll tell you how crazy this is six months ago, I'm going to work. Keith calls me, bam. He said, he, I mean, he was living. He, he was, the real man, listen to this, man. I'm going to send you something. He sends me a, uh, have you ever heard those uh, true crime podcasts? Yeah. He sends me a link to a true crime podcast. And there was a lady who used to be a detective down in, in, in the Augusta County area. She lives in New York or something now, and she's on this true crime podcast telling the story of Keith Scott and Ellie Dickerson. And most of the stuff was, you could tell it was being uh, false, uh, enhanced. Uh, Yeah. Like, had no clue. And, you know, I was like, oh, my God. But it's public record, the murder. So, you know, you didn't have any rights or anything like that on it, but he was really upset about that, that no one even reached out to him to even ask his point of view about what happened. He's the only eyewitness there. Yeah. Hmm. You know, so that, that was a little jarring for him. And I, I was amazed. I was like, Oh my God. So that story in itself, um, you know, we're going to, try to touch on that. We don't want to just gloss over it, but we don't want that to eat up the yeah. dog. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, it looks, it sounds like you got a good handle on the right approach for that. And, and what's going to fit in um, the documentary, which again, I, I just, I'm sitting here just so excited about it. I, the other thing I got to commend you on is, is the Facebook page. Cause that's what I have been following for a couple months. Um, and pretty much, you know, everything you post, I think I see, I love, you know, highlighting the different players throughout the times. Um, and, and you kind of expanding on, you know, you're not just locked to this list of five, you're, you're expanding out. I love that. And, uh, you know, the, the female athletes that you've, that you've highlighted the athletes that, you know, didn't play in the Valley district, but still local to Augusta County and the Shenandoah Valley. Um, you know, I love, I love that coverage and I, I'm looking forward to seeing more and more of that roll out. Oh man, well, well, thank you, and 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 I wish I could take credit for that. Um, I'll give the valley credit for that um, because once we put the page up, yeah, and, uh, I started getting um, inboxes. 
and people were asking, is this for boys only or, you know, what I was like, man, send me what you have. Yeah. Right. And I started getting flooded just with, I was like, oh, wow, this will be cool. And I mean, the Valley being who it is, I mean, they are, <laughs> hey, listen, man, they are not uh, shy about, hey, post, post this. But I mean, I have a list of people I got to post in a couple of days. So I actually had to put out a disclaimer, man. I was like, look, <laughs> um, please keep sending. Um, yeah. If you haven't seen your athlete yet, please be patient with me. Um, they're coming, right? Um, yeah. And my wife told me I probably need to at least post that once a week because, you know, <laughs> as in I get some frustrated people, you're forgetting and you're doing this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, I'm work too, you know. <laughs> well, but, you know, that that's all been the 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 valley man and and the the response has been overwhelming to be quite honest man but it but it's it really makes me feel really good inside man it really does because i didn't i didn't foresee this yeah um but yeah it's it's been great it really has um these are good problems to have i'll tell you yeah yeah you're doing (laughs) Hey, if I mean, just seeing the quality of the documentary that you've been working on, but also just the quality of, you know, the posts that you're putting out there. And it's, you're not just putting, hey, here's a picture of a person to keep moving. You're actually putting some information about them, at least something. So uh, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Um, you have an open invite to the Exports podcast. Whenever you think you need to say something to our audience on here or highlight something or promote, you are welcome to come on. You, you uh, email me, call me whenever you want to come on. We'll get you on. Um, and then we're going to bug you though. Like when, when this thing's coming out, you will be over publicized on our podcast <laughs> that, that you're coming on. And I appreciate the invite. Uh, thank you guys for having me on and please just spread the word, man. Have people go in inbox me. Yeah. If, uh, uh, you know, um, you will. I'm open, man. Just tell them to flood me. I'll, I'll get to them. I'll yeah, we'll get to add, them. We'll make sure you get added to that flood. <laughs> I, I want to get one more in before we let you go. Um, because like Leland said, a lot of this is before my time. I'm being born right at the end of this right, run of right. talent and stuff. And I grew up in Winchester. But still, when I see all these names from the Valley and stuff, I'm like, man, this is really cool. All these guys were in the same era here in high school and just how dominant that must have been. And yeah. I think, like, selfishly, with me being down here and Leland being down here and covering this high school scene today, you're starting to see some D1 talent come from here in this area again. Like, is I'm not trying to say anything crazy like, oh, we're about to start another run of, you know, this kind of talent. But what has it been like to see the D1 talent kind of resurge in this area a little bit after? It's not McDonald's All-Americans necessarily, but it's it's D1 talent again. Well, well, especially with Tyler Nickel, um, I think he's been the biggest. uh, Mm -hmm. Justin Kyer out of Spotswood. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Darius George. Mm -hmm. That when tomorrow sweet's playing across seas now. Jarvis. Ja- ja- yeah, Jarvis Vaughn. That up at mm-hmm. Mammoth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, we covered those guys. That's that's why we know those <laughs> ones quick. <laughs> we called state championship yeah. games. So <laughs> yeah. I, those guys, yeah, and, and that's the thing right there where where you have those guys like that. So that was a real push. Like those those guys that you just that that was a real push, and then Poof, 
right? Yeah. What we're trying, like, we know that technology or they're keep it's just keeping a lot of the kids in the house. Um, facilities, mm-hmm. the grassroots program. Um, there's a lot of things that could be done differently, in my opinion, you know, not trying to, you know, rain on anybody's parade. Um, but with the the way the way things change when the world changes with technology, you kind of with sports, you have to adapt. And I don't know if the Valley has adapted the way that it needs to to keep that steady influx. Yeah of talent coming out year in and year out. Now, I'm not saying that we won't get one or two here and there or uh, a a woman's player may go. I'm literally talking about four or five division. Because I know we have the talent. We're just leaving it on the table. Sure. Um, So I, I, I get it. But Tyler, Jarvis, Darius, um, Justin, Tyler Nickel. Though, yeah, I mean, they're doing great, man. And the good thing about it, they're friends of Valley Boys. All all those guys you guys just named, and I just named, um, they're friends of Valley Boys. So it's good to, when if Tyler Nickel, when he comes on, he's seen with a Valley Boy shirt on, or yeah. he shot up Valley Boys. Now it's going to give some of the younger generation, okay, this name is going to be synonymous with the grassroots and trying to encompass everybody. And maybe we can get back to getting a McDonald's. I actually thought Tyler Nickel would have made the McDonald's game. I, I was kind of disappointed when he didn't make it. But Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And, you know, I, I also was kind of surprised Tyler Nickel wasn't a McDonald's All-American, seeing as he has uh, just – managed to get a great opportunity at North Carolina is actually when he gets in the game is doing really well and doing this area proud, but kind of what you were touching on. It's not like D one scouts weren't coming here. I mean, they, to get that many D one players and then, and then there's a long gap. Uh, It's not that this area is not known for the basketball talent. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what really surprised me. I I, I think um, I I truly believe Darius could have got a, I don't want to say a better look or a bigger look than Marshall because I don't want to down any of the D1 schools either. You know what I mean? Um, but at a time when you had North Carolina and Duke and and Louisville, Maryland, left it, you know, night in and night out. And with that did, so you you figure a guy like Tyler Nickel, Dean Smith um, will come in, recruit Tyler Nickel. But at the same time, you had probably 30 other schools there to recruiting that were maybe mid-majors. Well, they're not going to get him. But guess what? There's two guys on Tyler's team that now are going to JMU, now are going to William & Mary or, or, you know, VMI, Rafford, wherever. Um, and, and that was the thing with the Valley, man. You, you walked in. And you just saw, well, yeah, Kevin Madden is balling right now, right? Ralph Sampson is doing his thing. But guess what? Who's that kid number 40? Well, that's Dwight Blakey. And now schools are asking about those guys. 
Um, so I don't, I don't know what's happening. Um, at, you know, I don't know. I, I would like to know. Um, I think technology has a lot to do with it. I don't think it has everything to do with it. Um, because if that was the case, PG County up here, I don't know if you guys seen that documentary. Um, have you guys seen that yet? I haven't seen that one yet, but I did see a trailer for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's called in the water. Um, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, now they're much bigger than we are down there, but just at the same token, man, um, 30 years is a long time. I, I thought Tyler, Tyler Nickel was the one that I, that I thought would break the ice. I, you know, I was kind of disappointed when he didn't make it, but he's doing us proud now. Dropping back a half step, I thought Kyer was, I mean, no disrespect to any of the other guys we've mentioned. I, I just was blown away by Kyer. Kyer is the guy that when we were calling on the radio, you know, was that five years ago now, I, yeah. I'm, pulling my, I'm like, I tell my wife, get in the car. You're going to come sit beside us doing radio to watch Kyer play because he yeah. was yeah. effortless with that. And he was so good. I was surprised when he didn't get the eye. You know, he, he ended up going to Georgia and Arizona on yeah. his journey. I was surprised he didn't have those power five offers to begin with. Um, right. So he right. just so great. See, and, and a lot of it is as well. Um, some of the, 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 the knowledge right uh, that that's down there about what camps to go to some of the connections um what what type of connections do the coaches have now you know cuz a lot of things are politics these days as well so for Justin maybe not to get a power 5 look at that time i don't know um did he not go to the right camps aau is so big these days yeah aau is almost most Power five coaches have the AAU coaches number on speed down, not the high school coach. Right. Right. So if you're not with a power AAU program, it most likely you may not get a power five look from the Valley. Tyler nickel. He didn't play for a local AAU program. Tyler nickel right. played for team loaded out of Richmond. The, uh, an Adidas team, actually, um, there because there's he didn't get with the Boo Williams, the EYBL from Boo Williams. I hope I'm not talking French to you guys about this AAU stuff, but no, yeah, no, I, I, go ahead. We've yeah. seen that stuff, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you know Tyler even played for uh, Team Loaded, which is actually an Adidas team, but you know he signed with um, a Nike school in North Carolina, but or a Jordan school rather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> Nike. Um, Nike Premium, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so you you know you have a lot of uh, th- these AAU programs have a lot of pull. So some of the kids that's coming up from the valley that may not be getting, you know, a Power Five look that some of the locals th- may think is probably just because of the AAU program. Which which, I mean, it sucks, but that's just kind of the way of the world, right? Yeah, uh, the, the, these AAU programs are running roughshod over everything, man. Like the high school coaches, they, they'll tell you. That's why I like the way Chris Chris Dodson, man. I I'm just really getting a uh, an understanding of. I, I may send my daughter to play for him. He he's 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 doing he's doing it right. Yeah. He keeps together. He keeps them planned in the off season. Well, I mean, okay. Kenny had his daughters with him, so that must tell you something. Boom. There it is. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, um, I don't know if the other coaches from the Valley are taking something out of his playbook. Um, but it, that if, if you're not going to play for a an elite AAU team, Chris may have the, the blueprint to try to correct some of this stuff down there. It, I, I also look at, you know, I'm, I, I think we have some great coaches in this area now. I'm, I'm not really trying to put anything down. But I'm also going to say the name Hatcher. <laughs> and no, no one's at that, that mark. And when you have, you know, someone that's there for as long as he was and as successful as he was and all that's great, but then also as good of a basketball coach as he was, raising everybody's level, you know, when, when you don't have that, that anchor, that the one that's out front that everybody's chasing, it, it does, I think it allows for things to kind of, you know, settle back down a little bit. Um, so we just, you know, we got to get Terrell Meckins up to, to Hatcher speed, right? You know, that's, that's, that's the expectation <laughs> up at the bar. And I know he would roll his eyes at me saying something like that. And he's got what decades before. <laughs> hey, but, but the- I mean, that's that, I think that's a big factor. When you look at the other sports that we talk a lot about football in this podcast and what Riverheads has done and that's risen everybody up. I, you know, I think that's what you need for basketball is just, you know, something out front for everybody to be chasing and then, you know, kind of start achieving and, and, and yeah. make those rivalries and be up to that level. Absolutely. I think that's what it's all about um, is the rivalries. Um, when, once you get a player at Lee, one, you know, once Terrell get the Valley was really fortunate to, to <laughs> um, have a lot of guys that knew each other that played on different teams. Yeah. Kenny Brooks and Todd Dunnings, they knew each other from childhood. They just happened to live in two different cities. Right. So when Kenny would score five touchdowns, if y'all didn't know, Kenny used to play football. It, yeah. It's is Yeah. Kenny scored five touchdowns. Well, Todd may score three or, and, and we're calling each other on the house phone. I mean, how many touchdowns you have? And <laughs> you're talking about guys that are, 11 and 12 years old, right? Because our parents knew each other. Yeah. So that competitiveness came right along with, all right, we're Lehigh now, but we play AAU together. Because back then, if you lose, uh, Waynesboro had AAU team, Stanton, of course. So you had Stanton All-Stars, Waynesboro, and pretty much that was it. Um, Whoever lost, would take the two best players from the other team. So if Stanton lost, Waynesboro would take the two best players and vice versa. And then we would go to state and play that, you know, if we want state. But Eddie Mazingo changed that. I don't know if you guys know Eddie Mazingo. I do not. Eddie Mazingo played at Fort Defiance. Eddie Mazingo um, put a put a team together. It was called the Augusta Heat. Okay. He he took that team to nationals. It was Corey Alexander, Reggie Waddy, JoJo Stewart, Adam Huff. You know th- that that name. Pretty much most of the 1990 team that won state plus Corey, Shannon Barefield, Robbie Howe, and those guys finished eighth in the nation. Wow. Um, lost to like Glenn Rice. Uh, I'm not Glenn Rice. Glenn Robinson, uh, Chris Weber. Those guys. They went toe to toe. Yeah, some guys. Went toe to toe with those guys, man. It, you know, 
no one can tell me that there isn't talent just like that that's in the Valley right now. Now, they may be in the house playing video games somewhere, and they're not coming out, but that's why you have to put a program in place that everyone wants to come. I, I'm not talking about the high school or grassroots program where, where even Terrell Mickens and Don Burgess were like, okay, if you guys are going up there to that program, I know you're being coached. And now when you come back, we got a, we got a juggernaut yeah. of, you yeah. know, so that's what I would like to have. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, but. Yeah, we, it would be great to have. I mean, even me coming up in the nineties and then, you know, on a team, I, I won't say playing as much, but uh, on the team and early 2000s down at Riverheads, but just the connections with those guys. And, and, and yeah, I, I don't see those as well of connections now as what even what I saw 20 years ago. And, and some of that same, you know, the, the pattern of how things worked back then with just playing every day. I, I just don't notice that as much now, even 20 years later. So I, um, yeah, it'd, it'd be good if, if it could get back to that. Cause I agree with you. I think, you know, across a lot of the sports, the talent's there. And I think we see moments of it that remind us that, but we, you know, just putting it together time after time is what, what this area needs. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100%, man. I really do. Um, another little nugget from 85 with, with Walker, and Kevin in the game, right, yeah. in the game, there was a kid about 80 miles down the road, right, in Roanoke named Michael Porter. Okay. He was also in the McDonald's game that year. Wow. He, matter of fact, he's the one who won the dunk contest. Michael Porter oh. won the dunk contest. Walker Lambiot won MVP. Wow. So we got three guys within 100 miles in Virginia that was in the McDon- 1985 McDonald's game. Yeah, and in the same year, Richard Morgan, Richard Morgan doesn't go to the game, but he still signs with UVA. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, wow. oh, and this it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't wait because you know I know I mean Jason Rogers was probably you know I, I say Corey Alexander, but even then, but like Jason Rogers is coming after and yep. and those kind of guys. That's what I was aware of and following and looking up to coming up. Um, so I just am so excited to even learn more back history and, uh, man, I, I just, I, I'm really looking forward. Like I said, I said it halfway through, I want to say it again, whenever you want to come on and promote, or you have something new to talk about, or if, if the direction needs a little help, or, you know, probably not. You have so many people handing you stuff. Man, um, man, we turn away. welcome to come on and talk about it on here anytime. We're so, so for this and anything we can do to help. All right, man, thank you so much, man. But uh, we don't turn away hell, so. <laughs> <laughs> Here we call it. Sounds good. I, I want you to. Yeah, for sure. I sure Bro, will. Yeah, stay in touch. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep bugging you if you don't bug me, but uh, please do bug me. And uh, we look forward to having you on again. Before the, uh, before the documentary drops, you'll be on at least once, if not more than that. Uh, but we want to make sure everybody knows how to get to you. And right now, uh, you know, the, the Facebook page, I, assume, I, I think you can just search Valley Boys. Boys VA is yeah. Make sure everyone make please follow, follow, follow. Don't look at the page. Please follow the page. You can also go to uh, Valley Boys VA Instagram. I don't post on that as much just because uh, Facebook was first and the following just grew so much with Facebook, right? Um, Yeah. And then if you need to email me pictures, anything, you can email valleyboysva at gmail. Um, or you can also just inbox me, stuff like that as well. Yeah. 
It sounds good. And I'll retweet and uh, and and on Facebook, uh, whatever they call it on there. Make sure people know how to get a hold of you and know how to follow you. And uh, we look forward to seeing everything you guys put out. Okay, question for you. How do, yes. when will this be played where we can listen to, to this podcast? Joe, is it going out tonight or tomorrow? It will probably be tomorrow. So tomorrow okay. night, and I'll send you a direct link. Um, okay. We'll be tagging you on Facebook. Um, and w- Twitter is kind of our usual default way of putting it out, but it goes out on Facebook as well and on okay. the podcast page. So Sounds good. Sounds good. Guys, I really appreciate you. Thank you yes. so much. We, we great having you on. Appreciate appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to the next time. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Darrell. All right. Bye bye. Joe, I just don't know if you can tell. I'm excited about the Valley Boys uh, documentary that's coming. But I mean, the the coverage that they've been already providing has been great. I, I've said it five times in the last uh, 20 minutes. But man, I'm looking forward to that thing. It's it's gonna be awesome. It is gonna be awesome, and it, you know, I always appreciate. Anytime a guest comes on and talks to us, but you know, Darrell taking the time to talk to us was phenomenal. Um, and I can't wait for this documentary like you. It's going to be great reliving some of these all-time greats that have come through the Valley and yes. um, gone on to do big things in the NBA and college. Yeah, and I and then Kevin Madden, he, he talked about him there, and I, I meant to mention it. And he's, he was coaching on the Riverhead staff when mm-hmm. I was there, and, and since then uh, he's had some time there. So uh, – I actually know him the best out of those guys. And, uh, you know, he, he was, he's the legend when, you know, he walks into the Riverheads gym and you're like, yeah, this guy played for UNC. And, you know, when I'm playing basketball, then, you know, I had heard about Kevin Madden and all of a sudden I'm starting piecing things together. You start hearing the stories. And back then coach Corbett and coach Joe O'Donnell who were around for stuff like that, you know, you start telling you the story. It, it's just, those guys are legends in this area and, and even still, and, and that's, what's really cool about them. And, you know, I think we, evolved that conversation into wanting more of those legends and one and, and you know wanting the future generations to see some legends from now and uh you know i think darius and jarvis you know carry a little bit of that locally and and i know some younger guys that you know talk about watching them when they were young but you know i want we want to keep that going and, and we all want that so uh that that was a fun conversation i'm i'm looking forward to the next time we're able to talk to him um and, and we talked about a lot of guys that played college basketball so let's just roll in to the college basketball. Let's talk about UVA first, since uh, a lot of the lo- there's been so many local guys that have played uh, for UVA. Uh, still a top ten team. UVA still a top ten team. They've they've won what eight in a row, nine in a row, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in a row. So not quite that, but they got Virginia Tech coming up uh, this weekend. They just got the win against Syracuse on Monday night. Uh, you know. A little higher scoring for UVA, but still that's kind of similar formula where they have a lot of these tight games. But, man, they just find a way to keep winning a lot of these tight games. And uh, their last loss was to Pitt, which was a tight game. But they just they do a good job when they get in these positions. And they go down to Virginia Tech this week. So, obviously, I'm, I'm hoping for my Hokies. Um, but, you know, the last time those two teams played as a 10-point game. It seems like Virginia Tech's playing better. So I'm, I'm hopeful this week that Virginia Tech can kind of keep some of that momentum from the Duke win, from the Syracuse win, uh, hopefully a Miami win, which is going to be really tough down there. Uh, mm-hmm. But hopefully, you know, playing better basketball can pay off with a home game against the rival. And, and that 10-point game, they were in it most of the way. It just kind of got away right. from them at the end. Um, but you're right. And then how did they follow that up? Playing Clemson, who's actually been one of the best teams in right. the ACC this year with a one-point loss, and then the win against Duke, the win against Syracuse. Now they got to take it on the road. 
to Miami, which you're right, but then they're back home against UVA. I think that's going to be a win at Castle. This team does seem ah, to be like playing it. better. Look at you with optimism. I love it. The team does seem to be playing better, and I think uh, Couture, that was Couture's first game back. He's been back I, now with some more games under his belt. I think yeah. they're going to be fine. I think they are going to win that game. The Miami game, I'm not so sure about, um, but mm-hmm. I do think they beat UVA at home. Um, and unfortunately, because of what we're talking about here, that loss to Miami would actually be pretty big because they've because of the hole they've dug themselves in. Uh, but it's, most teams I'm seeing is like you can we can only really afford like two more losses down the stretch here to kind of still consider ourselves having an option. It's still probably dependent on a ACC performance, you know, make it to Friday in ACC or something like you're that. You're probably going to need to make um, it to the championship if you lose two, in my opinion. Right. Right. So, um, you know, it'd be great to go down there and pick up a win. Miami's been a place we've had, we have had struggles with, but the last two times we've gone down there, we've won very close games. I think buzzer beating shots have been involved in both the one, two games ago. I think we had to hit a buzzer beater to tie it, to go to mm-hmm. overtime and then win. And then the last time we were down there, I think we hit a buzzer beater to win. So I, I'm, I'm optimistic that we know how to win down there a little bit better. I know Miami's good, but I know we're playing a lot better. And, and, where we thought we were back in December when, you know, we had beaten North Carolina and we were ranked and, and stuff like that. We wouldn't be as afraid of this game. So I'm, I'm hoping we're back to play into that level and, and going down there and winning is not, not a dream. Um, yeah. And the game against UVA is going to be tough. I mean, as much it's as, gonna I be say, tough, as, yeah. much as I'm buying into you saying, yeah, we're going to win in castle next Saturday. I mean, that <laughs> the UVA they're good. I hate they're it. just they're outside. Good. Yeah, you. I mean, you're not wrong when you say they're still a top ten team. They're just outside the top five at number six. They're having a yeah. great season. They're playing really well. Um, this is a team that is, unlike Virginia Tech, if they happen to stumble in the ACC tournament, it's not going to kill them. So, whereas you look at Clemson, who's leading the ACC, they're fine. Um, yeah. And I guess that's the good news, right? You were in a game against UVA on the road. You were in a game against Clemson on the road. Those are the two best teams in the ACC. Right. Miami is not as good as they are, but Miami is good. It's a top 25 team. So Virginia Tech uh, is going to have to find a way to win games. It's just boils down to you had your mistakes early on in the calendar when you lost at home in a close game to Clemson. You lost at Boston College. You lost... um, at home against NC State, like some of these games were games you kind of needed to win and you, you took those games off. So now it's kind of left a lot of work for you to do at the end. Yeah, like last year. So uh, we've seen it. We've seen the end of season miracle happen. I'm just trying to minimize the amount of miracle we have to depend on here. Um, jumping over to the women, my highlight for the week was Virginia Tech. I, was, I had them on the second screen on Sunday night uh, during the Chiefs game. Um, they were playing against UVA and uh, at UVA, and they got the win there. There was a half-court shot, maybe a bit further than half-court shot there um, before one of the, end of the ends of the period. So I, I think I'm, I continue to be very optimistic about where Virginia Tech can go. I know they've gotten the three ACC losses. It shows the strength of the ACC uh, is what I think that does. And, but I, we're competing with anybody and everybody. I don't know if the UVA game necessarily reinforces that, a team that's three and or uh, worse than that now, I think three and eight in the ACC now. But uh, I'm optimistic about what Virginia Tech can do in the postseason, knowing that they had big wins down the stretch last year, winning in the ACC tournament. So I just want to see that next step out of them. And I haven't seen a whole lot this year that's made me go, oh, it's impossible. I, th- I think we're still on that pace. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think Final Four or anything crazy, but this is a team that the way they're playing right now, depending on how the seating shakes out, Sweet 16 is a very realistic goal for this Virginia Tech team this year. And it's such a Kenny team. Like, I've watched Kenny coach a lot. I mean, we used to go to those games live at JMU. We'd watch them on Maddie's own. Um, and then now he's been at Tech. And, it, and I know it's been his players for a while at, at Tech. I'm not saying this is his first group of his team. But, like, I just think this is – it seems like the it's just the same feel of a Kenny team. And they're so good. And they have so much talent within that Kenny feeling of that team. So, I, I'm, I just continue to be optimistic. Yeah. Rightfully so. VCU got a win on Sunday against Loyola, which was a much-needed win for VCU. Was um, Sister Jean there? She did not make the trip. So. Come on, Sister Jean. What, like, what better does she have to do? I don't know. Uh, maybe she was out feeding homeless people or something lame. Uh, I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, she didn't make the trip. But VCU, it was alumni day. And uh, my partner there at VCU is actually a former VCU women's basketball legend. So, she got to celebrate alumni. Oh, a current legend, yeah. That's current cool. legend, but former player, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's probably the correct way to word that, yeah. Um, but uh, got to celebrate the VCU win and what was uh, a really good team effort, which is what they needed because um, they were without their leading scorer in that game. Um, and so to see the team step up in a big way was needed and a, a sign of hope for the rest of the season um, as VCU's just going to have their work cut out for them with some tougher games still on the schedule and including a LaSalle team that plays on Wednesday, which is at 11 a.m. So bring your headphones Ooh. to work and, there you, um, go. you know, the boss doesn't need to know that you're watching the game. So Wednesday at 11, you're telling me text you less. All right. Text me less Wednesday at 11. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just it's probably best just to go ahead and um, make sure the ESPN plus subscription is working and yeah. then bring your headphones to work and just tell the boss, look, I'm really plugged in here today. Like no distractions. <laughs> um, and then you can watch the LaSalle game, which will be great. I'll try to remember that I, I, your Facebook posts and uh, Twitter messages or Twitter posts help. This me is for the people who maybe, yeah, this is for the people who maybe don't want to be my friend on Facebook, but uh, do enjoy VCU women's basketball um, or don't have Twitter. This is for them, but yeah. Well, the other big stuff that we need to talk about here, uh, the NFL, they uh, do we have to Bowl. say it again. Do we have to? I, you know what? I was really worried about a 49ers Bengals Super Bowl. My boss is a Chiefs fan. I'm not saying I haven't started to get a little sick of the Chiefs, but I haven't gotten all the way there yet. And with what was left, that was the team I'd liked the most. Um, so I'm happy that the Chiefs are in it. Chiefs versus Eagles for the Super Bowl, the Andy Reid Bowl the Kelsey bowl. We're going to hear all those storylines for two weeks, but kind of, kind of looking back at these games and in order, looking at the Philly game early in the fourth quarter, my prediction of 49ers are going to slow the Eagles down. 49ers are going to keep Purdy, you know, from making the huge mistakes and, and keep the game close. And it's going to be a low scoring game. I still didn't feel dumb about that, even though it was very obvious the Eagles were going to win because Purdy was hurt and, and, and he got hurt. I mean, his turnover there was because he got hurt. It was a football play. It wasn't a terrible, you know, Purdy pass. It, he got deflected and hit. I 
But that defense did what I thought they were going to do because all of Philly's scores up until that point had pretty much been, there was the first drive of the game, but then everything else was short fields where there was turnovers because the 49ers weren't doing anything. So I didn't feel dumb about my prediction. It's just when the third string quarterback that's surprising the world and is half decent gets hurt and you're on your fourth string quarterback. And then he it's gets hard hurt. to win the uh, <laughs> conference championship game. And so Philly wins and you know, it, I didn't feel dumb for my prediction, but it, it's definitely not the way I wanted it to go. Yeah, well, to me, it wasn't even you're on your fourth string quarterback, but then your fourth string quarterback gets hurt. So you have to put your third string quarterback in who couldn't feel his fingers. And, and it turns out, yeah. turns out he tore his UCL. So <laughs> it's I hated that game. It was terrible. And I, you know, I was texting you at one point because it, the 49ers were frustrated. It was just an exercise of futility at that point. And there was a fight, and I was like, you know what? I'm here for it because if they're going to make me watch this, <laughs> I want to see something different. Like, I, I had texted you, like, can we just end this game and just get these guys off the field? Like, no one is debating what's going to happen here in the final seven minutes of this game. And the Eagles kept talking trash and keep getting in somebody's face, and Trent Williams just grabbed that guy by the horse collar and threw him to the ground. Now he gets ejected for it, which I thought was lame. That guy was talking a lot of smack gets thrown to the ground, and then another guy comes up to Trent Williams, and I texted you. I was like, that guy was begging for Trent Williams to knock him out. Oh, yeah. And I wish Trent Williams would have given him what he wanted. Just taking his helmet off, cold cocked him, knocked him into next week. He wakes up in the hospital while the team's playing in the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> because that's what would have happened. Trent Williams is a big, scary man. I would never want to say anything that would make Trent Williams mad. Um... Yeah, that would be something to avoid in life, yeah. And and I know that guy's an NFL athlete and has a lot of confidence, but there's a certain point where, like, he's looking up at him. And I was just like, do you not realize, like, you are talking to Goliath and you don't have a slingshot? So he's going to smash you with his hands. Like, I hated that game because Brock Purdy gets hurt, as you said, first possession of the game, and it's so close that what I'm taking away from the game is this team's not good enough to go to the Super Bowl. The 49ers, if Brock Purdy doesn't tear his UCL, are beating the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. But that city and all its cockiness and swagger, like another team that we'll get to in a second with cockiness and swagger that came to a crashing halt, I think that's going to be them in the Super Bowl. Sirianni likes to do a lot of stuff to... And it connects with his players and motivates them, and the fans love it. And it was just encouraging a fight on the sideline. Yeah. And I was like, look, it's one thing for me, the fan who is pissed off that I'm watching a blowout, to be like, good, let's have a fight. It's another thing for the coach whose team is going to the Super Bowl to be like, yeah, let's have a fight. <laughs> yeah, we should fight. <laughs> I would love nothing more than for the Eagles to have a bunch of guys suspended for the Super Bowl. Now, the NFL is never going to do that, oh, but I would love if they did. I would love for the Eagles to go in there with an arm tied behind their back to just get punked. <laughs> and then Andy Reid go over to Sirianni and be like, I'm the greatest coach this city's ever had, you loser, even though he's not the coach who won the Super Bowl. I will, I will say what comes of this for Philadelphia, because I, I will not be rooting for them. I, I'm not against Jalen Hurts in general. I've, always, I've been impressed with how he handled what happened during a national championship sure. game at Alabama, getting benched and like, handling it straight up and 
and, and, and following everything through that way and, and transferring what he did and not, you know, at halftime of a, of a national championship game. Like I appreciate what he has done. Um, and so I, I'm happy that he can have success. Like that, that doesn't hurt my feelings that, that he has that. And uh, he stepped up and, and made some plays. So I I'm, I'm for that. I, I, I will say San Francisco pretty getting hurt that they lose that that was decided when he got hurt. They still had some weird stuff going on and some weird. I think I'm telling you, if Josh Johnson doesn't fumble that ball, I don't know. And then Josh Johnson doesn't get hurt. I don't know. Cause the Eagles were not playing well. Jalen hurts. Didn't look good in that game. And I'm not saying that's Jalen hurts. Isn't good. I think San Francisco's defense is defense that good. Is San yeah. Francisco's yeah. defense is a Super Bowl champion defense. He's unfortunately, still some of those third downs that it like, I was like, okay. All right. Unfortunately, when you get down to quarterback number five and quarterback number five yeah, is quarterback yeah. three without an arm, then you're never going to win. Most teams aren't winning with quarterback number three. So yeah, when they're down to five, it's excuse. I will say this. I know Brock Purdy's out for six months. Brock Purdy is my quarterback if I'm Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. I don't even entertain the Tom Brady stuff. Don't go back to Trey Lance. Brock Purdy Trey is Lance my guy. Is going to be there. He's going to be on your roster. You're going to That's fine. He's and a, hopes he can get some value. You out hope he learns something watching Brock Purdy cuz yeah. he didn't learn anything playing at North Dakota State and he didn't look good in the preseason. So I I just don't think having Trey Lance I, as your so, starter next year is the answer. I, I am not I, I am not putting any money behind Trey Lance's future. I, I have no future bets in him. I do remember a time where the NFL was full of guys that would sit a year and then play and then kind of get brought in. And this kid coming out of North Dakota State, maybe he needs a minute before he really gets going because there is some talent. He didn't in play there. a lot when he was at North there, Dakota State. It was very few seeing games. something in him and some abilities that he can do. I just think it needs to develop more before we can, like, absolutely, you know, pat the – dirt on his grave of his career now again i think i'm more likely to think he's in he's dead as a doornail than he is alive but you know a couple more years you know we saw tyrod sit behind flacco in baltimore and then like have some opportunities and make the most of those i and then have I his just, lung puncture we'll see what we do later i mean he's had the worst luck ever tyrod's probably not the best one to bring up but there's other guys like that i mean kurt warner worked in a grocery store before he finally had his chance so like i i just wonder if you know, I just don't want to put him away forever quite yet. He's away for now. He's not playing next year. I, I don't want him on the field next year, but he's your second or third string guy next year. I agree with you. I don't want anything to do with Tom Brady. Let let everybody argue about who's going to Las Vegas because I think Aaron Rodgers is going to want to go there. I think Tom Brady's going to want to go there. I want I, let, let everybody argue about that. You stay out of that. You're better than that. You're in the NFC championship game. You know, try to get there next year. I don't think you need Tom Brady for that. I mean, you made it there with Purdy this year, so I I agree. Let him be out for six months. Bring him back. You'll have him in the fall camp, and you'll be good. Um, Bengals Chiefs. Love. At least that was a good game. Oh like, my at least, gosh! At least it was a tight game, and because that's what we wanted out of both of these. I mean, these both these games set up with the lines for the games, the hype coming to the games. You thought, okay, we're in for two great ones. We're in for the, what happened in the NCAA semifinals. We're in that for that for the NFL. First game didn't live up. Second game was close, and now the Chiefs kind of were ahead the whole time and then and then tied but i it was a good game um every call seemed to go the chiefs way and uh, some of those cry had the gap me needed a river. Win, they needed it to go their his way their way yeah cry me a river uh 
could care less, please. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not saying this from a, I was rooting for the chiefs. I just, I was talking to my boss. who's a chiefs fan and he's like, we needed those to go our way to win. And I was like, you take them. That's part of the game. You Here's know, what I love the most about the Bengals fans crying about that play that got blown dead after the play was over, even though the officials waving his arm before the snap, they just it's didn't hear it. Uh, I guess I miss all these Bengals fans that are like, the Chiefs shouldn't have, you know, this is terrible. The NFL's rigged, blah, blah, blah. What, is this the same fan base last year that told me them's the breaks when the Raiders would have beaten them had the officials right. not had a phantom whistle that no one else hears and right. there is no waving of the arms? They wouldn't even been in the Super Bowl last year. They shouldn't have been in the Super Bowl this year. If Lamar Jackson plays or our backup quarterback doesn't do a quarterback sneak from the four-yard line, try to stretch the ball out from the four-yard line, you're not even in this game. What a bunch of punk losers. And then their team was so freaking cocky. And their mayor comes out, oh, oh, this is Burrowhead. Well, we had a paternity test, and Joe Burrow is Patrick Holmes' father. <laughs> what a bunch of losers. I am so glad that city lost. I feel bad for no one in that right. scenario. I loved every minute of them having to take it. And Travis Kelsey calling them out in the postgame, that was fantastic. The city of Cincinnati deserves every bit of hate they get this week. Because when you talk all that crap for the luckiest damn franchise in the history of the NFL, you are so, so deserving of every bit of hate and poking of fun that you receive. Help me reanalyze a moment in that game. At the end, the, the, game, the, the play that set up the game-winning field goal that barely sure. went through the uprights because of a 15-yard penalty that, that set them up. What did they call? I, I guess my, my volume was as high. They hit him. Out of bounds. Yeah. Did they call it because he was a quarterback or because he was out of bounds? It doesn't matter. He's out of bounds. That's what I'm saying. All day I've heard today, all, all the podcast, the little bit of ESPN I watch, it's like, oh, it's another rough in the passer that's deciding the game. And they're debating this. Was it rough in the passer they called or was it a personal foul late hit? It was a hit out of bounds. What are we talking about? I don't understand. Like, He's got two feet out of bounds. There. He's got two feet out of bounds when he gets hit. Exactly. It's the I've right call. Sorry that it cost you the game, but it's the right call. And you so then everybody's lost. jumping to that guy's defense. Well, he gave it his heart for this game, and, and he's so upset that that penalty. I don't care. He's a paid entertainer. I don't, I don't care. Now, I will 100% be behind if you're sending death threats to this guy or you're going yeah, to that that's level, a problem. you are wrong and you're and this guy deserves to not get that. But as far as he shouldn't have done that, you messed up. I'm not happy that you messed up. Fair game. I mean, this is what the league is. Like, I don't know why we're so quick. This isn't a, a middle school peewee player out here who made a bad play and is crying. No, he's a professional paid athlete. Who's a he's an entertainer. When and George to his, Clooney makes a bad movie, we say George Clooney made a bad movie. And we make fun of him. And we go to the Golden Globes and Ricky Gervais tears him apart. Why can't we just have some Twitter conversation after that's like, yeah, that guy didn't make a good play? Like, what are we doing? Why can't we? That that's the I thing, wrong? right? Why am I insensitive? To his defense, he showed up, he answered questions after the game. Did his media obligations, handled that the right way. I think he handled it the right way. Now, am I still laughing because it happened and the Bengals, it ended up costing the Bengals the game? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Because I'm not rooting for the Bengals. I hate the Bengals. I hate them. And 
here's the other thing, right? With and I know exactly what you're talking about, and I've seen similar posts throughout the week weekend, or it feels like a week, but it's only been a day, I guess. Um, <laughs> That's enough hype. <laughs> but it's of like you can't go after this guy. This is wrong, and we need to be better. And blah, blah. I'm sorry. What I'm when I say, why are we paying athletes so much money to play a game? It's, well, that's what they're worth. That's what the entertainment value is. Okay, well, the other side of that entertainment value is people really care about this. And yeah. when they cost their team that they're rooting for the game, people might be mad and say, that's really stupid. We pay our money to go to these games. We pay our money to support the franchise. We pay our money in bets. People care a lot with something that matters to them, their money. So, yeah, like talking and that's that's the other side of the coin. If you don't want that popularity and that kind of hate, that's fine. You're going to get a lot less popularity and then you're not getting paid that much. And then you got to go get a real job. We can be better. Yeah, it'd be great if we were better. Why are we picking this moment to like? Yeah, this isn't the moment where we need to be better. Let's be better about something that matters and not football. Like, let's be better about something that matters and not football. So. I, yeah, I just better about who we vote for and who we nominate to vote for it before like these football sure. players like you know oh just what are we doing like why this moment why this bangle do we all of a sudden have to protect now when people are saying stuff even paid analysis on ESPN make comments about the player that Demar Hamlin hit and how he has somehow to blame. That guy in a life or death situ- situation where he was part of a situation where the guy's laying on the ground and he's upset, I feel bad for him. I yeah. feel bad for him. We shouldn't be talking any crap about that guy. I agree with that. Because that's, that's not something, yeah. This isn't a game win, won or lost. This is someone laying on the ground. And how does that mess with your mental psyche? That's real life. This is a game. This is a game. And I will commend these Bengals coach who I've been impressed with here for two years now, not a lifetime, not a long duration as Tony Romo tries to put on it, but oh two years God. I've been yeah, impressed we'll with get him, to him in a second. because I'll let you get to Tony when you get to Tony. Uh, he's been a good coach and I appreciate it right after the game, they're interviewing him the whole way out of the locker room. And he's like, I, you know, things didn't go our way. And some spots, we can't put all this on one play. Like there's so many opportunities we could have made it not matter for that way. Like I appreciate that coach speak, which is standard can, but I appreciate that he went right to it and he wasn't crying. He's not laying down at the free throw line crying. I appreciate that he is stands up. It was like, yeah, if we didn't want it to come down to one play that we wish the whistle didn't happen, then we should have done a lot of other things different. So I, I appreciate that out of him. Yeah, I, I thought the coach handled it the right way, and it's true. Um, I had a LeBron joke in there. I, I caught it. I did. Um, <laughs> in LeBron's defense, that was he a pretty out. horrendous yeah. call or yeah, no it was, call. It was, it was. I just don't need him crying. At, like, I, just don't need I thought he went a little bit overboard. I thought Pat it's Beverly January, had. Dude. I thought yeah. Pat Beverly had maybe the greatest technical foul in the history of technical fouls. <laughs> that was good. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I agree with you on that. And on the flip side, like, I, you know, we had this conversation at work today too, and there uh, was one person that was trying to defend and saying we shouldn't try to make him feel worse than he already does. And I'm like, I'm not saying it should be our goal to make him feel worse, but I also no. understand people being pissed. And I was like, as an Orioles fan, when we pay Chris Mill- Chris Davis $161 million and he had statistically the worst season in the history of the sport, yeah, yeah I was pissed at Chris Davis. And if Chris Davis got shot in a rocket to the sun, I would have cared 0%. Like, yeah. awful, but, like, the awful. The literalness of what you just said doesn't apply. But, like, 
the, right. the fan the fanatic side. Like, right. yeah, I'm mad. I'm gonna and the fans are going to boo him, and that happens. Yeah. Yes. And look, I think it's a little bit different when, like, Aaron Judge is having an MVP season. Well, MVP in the eyes of the voters, not in reality, in my opinion. But And then gets in the playoffs and strikes out, and the fans start booing him. I'm like, okay, that's a little ridiculous, because without him, you wouldn't be here. But Yeah, but I'm also not on Twitter, like, higher than now saying, shut up. Right. Yeah, because I get it. it. Yeah, I've been there. And we booed Chris Davis when he struck out for like the 3,000th time in his Orioles career. Yeah. Most players have 3,000 hits. Chris Davis has 3,000 strikeouts. Um, But, and he, that's why he's not a Hall of Famer. Um, If they ever, the Orioles Hall of Fame sometimes puts in some people that you're like, how? If Chris Davis ever gets in the Orioles Hall of Fame, I hope they move the franchise. (laughs) But Tony Romo, Tony Romo, I almost forgot. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of people I can't stand. I know you were hoping I was going to. Um, I watched the first half. I missed all but the final two minutes of the second half. Because during halftime, I was like, I'm going to catch an episode of a show. And then I just watched another one and another one. Because I was like, I really like not hearing Tony Romo. And then the final two minutes, I noticed it was close. I was like, I need to see. I want to hear Jim Nance's call of this. And in that two minutes, Tony Romo challenged me to change the channel. Like no one has ever challenged me to change a channel. Well, you don't I just the, the noises are terrible. The the incoherent noises are terrible. The whatever he's talking about half the time not being true. The where he just gets caught up in the air and is like, I don't know what I'm saying. Let's see what happens <laughs> and see if I can finish a sentence here. Like. That's Which, when terrible. You made fun of that, I, I did was like I, I've, I've not been there, <laughs> but but it's just awful, and it's There's only so much things you can say about Riverheads running the same play the fourth time in a row. <laughs> I mean, when he's like, these two teams have been doing this. This is a long time rivalry, and I'm like, two freaking years. The Riverheads, the Riverheads state championship run has lasted a lifetime. It's seven years, but it's a lifetime into the eyes of Tony Romo. <laughs> yeah, I, I... I root every day for Tony Romo to lose the ability to speak. That's what I, I wish for every day. Little, little Little Mermaid action. Yeah, when you wish upon a star, root for Romo to speak no more. <laughs> it's approximate, right? Oh, Ryan. you thought about this coming into it, too. That's, that's something. Um... I don't know. I just haven't ne- been on negative on Romo from the beginning as other people, but I'm catching up because uh, it is it's gotten a little oh, tough. There's, so people I, there, there's people I dislike out there, um, but he's rising. Oh, up. and what was the one when the Bengals guy near the end of the game gets tackled? He's like, oh, gee, that's because he went backwards, right? And I was like, also, he didn't get out of bounds, you stupid yeah. ass. You don't stop the clock for funsies. You got the forward momentum. Like, that's what Who, it is. Forward momentum. Whether whether he was going backwards for momentum <laughs> or he didn't get out of bounds. Yeah. You never have in the history of the NFL, you have not stopped the clock on a completion when you don't get out of bounds. Right. Tony. Jim Nance, I wish Jim Nance would shove him out of the booth. CBS doesn't have, I mean, like, I, they're not making a change on that right now. I mean, he's his contract is massive. Right. Uh, yeah, they're not going anywhere. Coming in. It would take Tom Brady cutting his fe- deal with Fox. And saying, "All right, CBS, I'll come over there." But then I would hate that. Do anything. That that's the only way that they would touch what's going on there. 
I wish they would give Jim Nance a better partner because before Tony Romo was Phil Simms, and I didn't really love Phil Simms either. No, and they didn't like each other by the end. Um, I have a feeling this one's going to end the same way. Where, Probably. Where they're not going to like each we'll other. I don't think we'll see a end. second contract from him. I think he's going to write, they're going to have to let this ride out a little bit because they don't, they don't have another guy that they need to shove in there. So uh, maybe move Tony Romo to an analyst in the studio. I don't really like their studio people. Yeah, I, I never watch it, studio stuff. But see, that's the thing. I cannot watch the studio thing. Yeah. Easily the NFL watch. game is harder not to watch when it's the only game on. Um, and I love Jim Nance. I think Jim Nance does a great job. He's an absolute icon in the world of broadcasting. But, man, is Tony Romo annoying. Yes. All right. Uh, I think it's time for D-Block. Um, I finished up White Lotus. And I will say, I watched seasons one and two. We blasted through season one, two. We took a little break before jumping into season two. Uh, the themes of those were different. Um, still, obviously, the same directors and stuff, you know, same feeling of a show, but just the, the themes of the season were different. Um, the first season was more like class, um, the different classes of people with money and stuff. And not that, and everybody was rich on the show, uh, but sure. just like, how that worked and then also with you know not rich people and stuff so that was kind of the theme there the second season was more adult um um uh, you know intimacy was a common uh reoccurrence in that season uh and so i i liked season one better than i liked season two but i'm still kind of like on the i'm not this isn't an open recommendation for this show for as popular as it is. And in pop culture, it seemed to kind of catch fire there and everybody's referencing it. Um, I'm not, I'm a little bit like, I don't get why it got so much hype, like production values there, the casts are there, but the storytelling, I just, I, I don't know. I think it, it leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, I was on the edge of my seat more on this season one and they set each season up with, I mean, okay, I, I, it's a tiny spoiler. Five minutes into the series, you'll get it. There's a dead, someone's, there's a dead body in a casket getting put on a plane mm-hmm. and you don't know who's in it. And then it cuts to a week before. So you know someone's going to die. So season one, at some point, all of those people, you're like, oh, is this how they're going to die? Or is this leading to their death? And there's a bunch of different people to, to throw that at. Um, so I was on the edge of my sit, seat season one at different times. You're rooting for people for that to be, and, and, and you're not, and you're rooting for people not to be. And, uh, it goes right up to the end before you really know how it's going to happen. Season two, uh, same kind of dynamic and it's a multiple situation. So it leaves the door wide open for, you know, I think that might've hurt some of the edge of seat. Cause you thought, okay, it's multiple. It could be, it could be all these, or it could be something weird. So, um, that that's, that's there. Um, but yeah, again, this isn't an open recommendation. It, I, I'm glad I watched it more for just being in the know of the pop culture moment here of, you know, when someone makes a white Lotus comment, I don't know what they're talking about, but I'm not saying, Hey, Joe, go watch this. And, and I had people over this weekend and I'm, you know, Steve, who's been on the podcast. I was like, I, I don't know if I'm recommending it, but this is how I feel. I think they might still watch it just for the pop culture aspect. So, um, I don't know it, it I watched it is kind of my review. <laughs> yeah i've it's had those in the world it's not bad but it's not great yeah i've had those shows um 
And I, there's a couple that I've watched recently that I don't know if I would recommend to you because I don't know if you would like them. I have liked them, but I don't know if you would. Um, I'm not saying I will never watch White Lotus. I'm just saying it's not at the top of my list. You're an Aubrey Plaza guy. I, uh, I'm aware. There's reasons to watch it in season two. I like Aubrey Plaza. That being said, okay, since you brought up Aubrey Plaza, they're they're at a they're at a resort. Sure, they're in a beach resort for the entire week. She's in a bikini the entire series. So I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I like Aubrey Plaza for her work, but sure. Um, the uh, speaking of Aubrey Plaza, she was on SNL. I hadn't watched that one yet. Uh, man, is that show not funny? No, it's not. I just, I just haven't watched it, so I guess I've never really focused on it. But when I watched it, because I was like, "Oh, Aubrey Plaza is on," I watch. Um, she's funny. I like her comedy. I watched, and I was like, the in, like watching, and I was just like, "Wow!" If I got twenty people together and said, "Write a comedy show, but make sure I never laugh," I think maybe I would hire some of the people who are writing right now at SNL. To Defend to a degree. They took a major hit in the last two seasons, losing like their a their a players, their their a team. Like they all left within the last two years. Great. And there's very very little left from that. Um. So they're in a transition spot. So they're they're at a low spot right now. So I I will say that in defense of that. But even with their a team, it's not that great. Like it's not that good. I I really like Kate McKinnon, but if she wasn't on the screen, it, it like you're you're hoping then like you're really hoping. And um, I didn't even make it through the whole thing. Like, I just stopped because I was like, yeah. I can't. I, I want to see if Aubrey Plaza has a funny moment. But damn, the this only is episodes I've funny. enjoyed the last few, I mean, six years is when Dave Chappelle's on and you get his monologue and you get one or two sketches that involve Chappelle show related yeah. references, you know, old characters or at least like ties it in somehow. That's when I've laughed. And other than that, it's it's laughs are few and far between. And I guess a hint should have been like when SNL has something that's really funny, it typically goes viral on social media. And it's man, it's few and far between anymore. Yeah. And so I guess that should have been a hint like, hey, Joe, this is going to be bad. Um, but oof. yeah, that was bad. Um, what I know that you need to know, um, and I'll go back to uh, what's dominating my life later. Is. I actually don't know, but I want to ask your opinion on it. Live Golf has been in the news quite a bit recently. Um, I don't even know if I get the CW. That's my answer. <laughs> you you do. I'd, I'd almost be willing to bet anything that you do. I don't um, think I'm going to turn over there. That's going to be part of that, too. So that was part one of my question was the TV right. deal. Uh, Nextar buying them, and they're going to the CW. And part two was the lawsuit that they are uh, – they asked the judge to subpoena Augusta National and its members uh, for discovery, and the judge apparently denied it. Um, but I know you listened to Tony, and I'm sure this came up on Tony too. The little spat between um, was it Reed and and McElroy? Yeah. This weekend at the tournament, and then uh, they were the last two, like they were top two in the tournament as and well. And McElroy won. Yeah. Which, you know what, McElroy's PGA, so go Team PGA, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I'm on Team PGA. I, I mean, that's <laughs> it's kind of my it's really hard to root for Team Live Golf. <laughs> I haven't dug into 
this even even this spat this weekend uh steve was asking about me this weekend i was like man i, I honestly just haven't kept up with it I've, I've been less on social media the last two weeks with the way we've been traveling a lot of driving and like events that i've had to be plugged into so i i've just been a little bit less um in the lead up to this and then this weekend but um i'm t- like by default i just like whatever i saw i'm on team rory you know like i'm i'm i i'm i'm old man enough get off my lawn enough that I, I want the PGA and the majors to say the way it is because it's what I know and it's what I'm used to and something feels really dirty about the way the live golf thing has come about and is being paid for. Now, Rory was also holding up a trophy this weekend from winning that tournament. Awesome. Good win one for the PGA. Where was he standing when he was doing that? He's standing in Dubai. <laughs> like it's a tournament yeah. put on by the same money that's behind out live golf. Like it's just it, it not nothing is nothing's ever a hundred percent clean, but yeah, if you're asking me, I'm, I'm going to side on the PGA side a hundred percent. And plus like Patrick Reed has never done anything to make me want to like him. So it makes it easy. I do think the rivalry aspect is good for golf in the sense that people will watch. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, but they're going to see, they're going to go to the majors. Like, the that's fair. The yeah, that's fair. It's going to be good for the, what we're already used to watching because the only time they're ever going to come together is at the majors. And then the rest of the time, the PGA is on CBS and ESPN, whatever it is, I guess mostly CBS anymore and Golf Channel. It's not going to be any live there. And you're going to have to go to a new place to find the live golf. And the CW. I, don't, I haven't caught on to what the draw is to go over there because the guys I like best are still on PGA. Yeah, um, this – Live Golf does have a couple of big name golfers. They've, they have big names. They've got like big guys, names, but give them up. That's fine. Um, I think the other problem is like YouTube. I haven't seen any official numbers, but their numbers weren't great. Like for a sporting event, you'd be sad to have some of those numbers. Yeah, and like incredibly sad. Like. I was listening to Levitard, and the one guy was like, when I was watching one of the live golf things, they had 265 people watching with me. Oh, my goodness. That's like an NFHS feed. That's that's what I'm saying. I'm like, when you're barely outrating the Yak Sports podcast, maybe <laughs> maybe a professional golf. Some of our episodes have brushed up against that number. Like, maybe maybe having a professional golf thing is not a good idea. Yeah. I do think that's don't. one of the reasons they go to the CW. Um. Because there's more people that might, that are just golf fans, yeah. and like looking at the guide or whatever, and being like, "Oh, golf," and watch it that way. Versus and the older generation that does is not going to go to YouTube. TV. Yeah, the they, older generation is not going to go on YouTube to find it. Yeah. You got to be on the clicker. Yep. So, I think that's one reason. But I will say, like they made the joke. <laughs> Someone guy goes, I'm surprised to hear that the CW still exists. But it was like, it's a 10-year deal or something like that. And he goes, is the CW going to be around in 10 years? (laughs) I didn't know it was a 10-year deal. Wow. Mm. I mean, they thought they were going to have to pay Fox to be on Fox or something. Well, Fox wanted them to pay. Yeah. And they did not want to pay. They wanted to do a revenue split, which is what they got with the CW, apparently. But that was bizarre. Um, I, I, I don't see myself kind of switching games here. I, I, I can't imagine a scenario where I'm like, I need to switch over to the live golf event. Like 
Oh, I will not. I'm not yeah. going to watch golf anyway. Like the only time I have watched golf was on a date that I just needed to get out of. And so I was just staring at the masters. Yeah. To I, which I mean, the I question the was masters. asked, I how would we, have... the majors are open game. Like, and then the masters is absolutely I watch and the other ones I pretty much watch. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to switch over there. To I which have... I was asked while I was watching the masters on TV, how would we have played this indoors referring to a mini golf course? So <laughs> okay um <laughs> didn't quite um, get the difference between mini golf and golf yeah that's that's rough i passed along your recommendation for that indoor richmond indoor mini golf there hotel green along. yeah i said you had been there and you liked it there was some people from richmond that i was passing that on to oh i love it i can't wait to go back yeah i want to go sometime so all right, what I want to talk to on what you know, what I know that you need to know, and you probably know this by now, but the Virginia Tech football schedule came yes. out. Uh, we've known the last couple of weeks it was coming out tonight. And every time I start talking about schedule releases, I feel your eyes rolling in your head because you just don't look ahead like I do on that stuff, I don't believe. But I forced you to during the podcast. So the schedule's out. We already kind of knew September because there were the non-conference games. Those get locked in with contracts. Purdue coming and the second game of the season to Blacksburg is pretty fun. Um, but the West, the, the way the rest of it kind of rolls out, I like it. I like that we get Florida State the first weekend of October. That's kind of fun. It's on a road. We, obviously, we knew we were going to play them on the road. But I like that. Um, Wake Forest right behind that. And then we get a week off. And then we get the Syracuse game on a Thursday. Usually, we get like a Georgia Tech or someone like that um, on a Thursday. But – with the new model where we're going to play those three schools every year and not the whole coastal uh, side, Georgia Tech's not even on the schedule. So that, that's a really weird looking thing. No Duke, no Georgia Tech, no UNC. I mean, it's just a much different looking schedule. A lot of teams that we're used to seeing from the Atlantic, Wake Forest, Syracuse, Louisville, Boston College, which we have seen a lot, NC State, Florida State, like all these Atlantic teams that we're playing this year. So that's fun. I do like that Thursday night game. I like that there's no Friday game. That absolutely jumped out to me that I like. Uh, our last home game is NC State, and that's before the uh, annual game with UVA at UVA this year on Thanksgiving weekend, the usual weekend. So, you know, not a whole lot of surprises on the schedule. Let's get in a Thursday game. is not a shocker. I'm glad. I'm definitely glad it's a home game. Um, but how November kind of wraps up three games being on the road in November, you know, Usually that you look at that and you kind of grit your teeth like, oh, that, that might not be good. But seeing it's Louisville and Boston College are two of them. And, and honestly, UVA being the fourth one, like at least we're not – at least that Florida State game on the road isn't shoved into November. So I, I think it's a, a decent-looking schedule. We need to improve uh, this year. And I think this schedule will allow us to have some winnable games. We don't have the, uh, any runs that I'm looking at right now. Or last year when we're about to play – West Virginia, it was like, here's a solid stretch where things could go poorly, and it pretty much did. Um, you know, I don't see that stretch that I'm as scared of this year, where I think we'll be able to piece wins in there and not go on long stretches without wins, and I'm hoping to be improved, so if we can string wins together, that would be nice, and I think that is comprehensible uh, with what I'm looking at, but we have to get there first, but I'm, the I'm only excited about the season. The only stretch that would worry me is Marshall Pitt FSU. Yeah, I'm hoping Marshall's not a huge challenge, but going there, I mean, yeah, I see your point. We're uh, going Pitt, there, and we're not Pitt, a huge Pitt, challenge. 
Yeah, Pitt gives us a huge problem whenever we play them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, going down to Florida State and improving program where their coach seems to be getting things together. Um, yeah, on the back end of that, Wake Forest. I mean, that's <laughs> – Wake Forest, it's going to depend on who they got. Who that got quarterback. a quarterback. Hartman's gone. Because Hartman really was a lot of that team. Um, so now that he's gone, it really does kind of matter who they've pulled in there. Um, but yeah, if Wake Forest is good, then, then Wake Forest and Syracuse get added to that. And that's so real quick, I want you to do this for me. I, I didn't really look at UVA's schedule, but I want to look at UNC's schedule. Cause I saw some tweet where Mac Brown was like, yeah, I don't like our schedule this year. I saw some tweet like reference. I hate that we're not playing Miami though. If we're talking about this. Oh, I hate, I hate not playing. I thought we've already had that segment on this podcast, but I saw this where UNC where Mac Brown, he's like, I don't like our schedule this year because some kind of reference to it being unfair. I'm opening up to look at it. They got South Carolina to open the season. You already knew you had that. So I don't know what you're surprised about. Well, that's also not the ACC's fault. Yeah. App state at home. That's been on the books. Minnesota that has been on the books then. And those are all three. In the state of North Carolina, South Carolina is at Charlotte, uh, and then two home games. Then you go I like to those Pitt. games, though. Mm-hmm. You go to Pitt, mm-hmm. then you have an off week, mm-hmm. then you play Syracuse, mm-hmm. then you play Miami. So mm-hmm. and you you always expect Miami to be decent. Again, two home games so far. Third home game in a row, Virginia. So I I don't see what he's complaining about yet. At Georgia Tech, Campbell at home. The Camels are going to come to town. Why? Two, why would you put Campbell there? It's because the SEC likes to do this crap, and now the ACC's bought into it. I don't get it. And then you got Duke, and then you close out. This is probably what he's talking about at Clemson, at NC State. That's probably what he doesn't like. Well, I don't know, man. Like, what mm. what magic change to that schedule do you want to change to make it happy? Like, I don't get what's so wrong with that. Like, I'm not seeing it. Be better. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't see what he's scared of right there. I don't see a combination in that schedule. If you put Miami, NC State, Clemson – South Carolina all in a row, I'd, I'd understand you. They're all spread out. You do have at Clemson and at NC State to close. I'd say the front end of that schedule is tough, but that's non-conference, and they did that. So I actually like that they're playing good non-conference games. I hate that they put Campbell in the middle of a conference yeah, game stretch. I hate, I hate November that should games. Well, one, that shouldn't be allowed. Unless it's a rival. Unless it's I, – I get – okay. No. Outside of South Carolina playing Clemson Thanksgiving weekend – uh, equivalent to that georgia tech oh i'm talking about play. fcs i'm saying non-conference non-power five games in november are bull and they should not have them uh yes i agree with that unless it's uh, like, unless you're like nc state playing ecu i, can't I don't think, have a I problem if you're gonna play if you want to play like, a g5 team fine i think the days of playing yeah. the fcs team should end i agree i agree but apparently there was something with jim phillips this this week they're talking about scheduling and they told teams to like stop scheduling and get out of the g5 games and i'm like no like i know we just lost three of the 10 that the acc had last year I, those are fun let's do them that was stop playing the fcs game. games play State the g5 teams in. yeah play the g5 teams stop playing yeah, the fcs no. teams no fcs that's where and honestly that's just a loser mentality from the acc go out and beat those teams then go be the commissioner of big 10 go do that then that's where you want to be anyway. The UVA football schedule, since you asked for it. Okay. They open up with Tennessee and Nashville. Okay. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Uh, JMU. Yikes. Uh-oh. <laughs> Let me know if you want to go to that game, by the way. I, 
I desperately want to go to that game. Who do we got that weekend? Who do we got that weekend? September 9th. I already closed it. That might be Purdue. Uh, probably is the second game of the season. Yeah. Be. That's actually a game that I'm mildly interested in the outcome of Blacksburg as well. I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. All right. So Tennessee, then JMU, both at, okay, but one's at, at Nashville. One's in Nashville. Okay. JMU is at home. Okay. At Maryland. Mm, that's an improving program. Not impossible, but I'd say it's a coin toss. And it's there. And if I'm favoring Maryland, yes. Friday, they'll play NC State. Gosh, I hate Friday games. NC State, mm-hmm. we'll see what they got, but. At BC. You better hope to win that one. Home against William and Mary. They better win that one. I would. I, I think the days of them losing That's the defending CA champion. Defending CA champion. Then they have a bye week. I don't care. Now, this is a couple of bumpy games. At UNC. They've had they played UNC well. At Miami. Back to back. At at at. Ooh. Okay. Home against Georgia Tech. Mm. At Louisville on a Thursday night. Home against Duke. Home against Tech. That's uh man. We're bowl line here. Like I don't I'm not Okay, I'm let's not do that. Let's go game. through the tech game and let's go through game. the you pulled the tech schedule back up. All right, it's up. All right. Let's we're, since we're on UVA, we'll go through them. Tennessee, no. JMU, no. Oof. Maryland, it's at Maryland, no. Oof. Are there any you disagree with right now? I'm 0 and 3. I'm with you. Okay. NC State. I'm going to say no. Man, if they're 0 and 4, we're going to start watching that mountain for smoke. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ooh, 0-4 in year two. Mm. Now, at BC, I'm going to say you yes. Win that. I'm going to say win. yes. I'm William and Mary, I'm going to say yes. So two, two wins four. going into the bye week. Two now, you have a bye week. If Mac Brown and UNC are mumbling and grumbling and not doing well, maybe we can reevaluate this. But as of today, no. Five. At Miami. Two and six. <laughs> Home against Georgia Tech. Mm. See, Georgia Tech's not running the crazy offense anymore. They're getting. But they got better last year after they fired their coach. Yeah. Did they hire him? They didn't hire Dion. Um, let's say UVA wins. Three so and, Three and five. I think they're three, three and, and six. six. Three and six. Yeah. At Louisville. On a Thursday, where Louisville plays some ball. I think Louisville's fake. I've never bought Louisville. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you one. Four, Four and six. six. Now it gets down to the nitty gritty. Duke. So yeah, they're bowl line. That's what I'm saying. I, I, Duke I, that's and what Tech. You've got to win those two games. I don't know if they win, win both. Yeah. I don't know if they win either, but I definitely don't like them to win both. If I had to bet. I say they're already not bowl eligible by the time we play them. Wouldn't that be great? But that's also my biased, biased opinion. All right, let's go through the tech schedule. Let's do this. Uh, you'll have to be realism here. What? ODU at home. <laughs> I give us a win. 
I I agree. If we lose to ODU, burn it down. Purdue at home. Purdue? (sighs) At home. I don't know why I'm saying this, because, like, it matters. Um, Not our biases is coming out. (laughs) It's good, though. That's what I'm (laughs) looking for. Win. Win. Look at us. 2-0. Brent Pry flying high. We go to Rutgers. We win that game. We okay now, Marshall. That's where you you thought we would have a bump here. <sighs> hmm. I don't think we beat Marshall. If I'm being man, that'd be a honest. disappointing loss. If we're sitting three and zero and lose to Marshall, that's a that's a disappointing loss. Well, look out for Rutgers. <laughs> Buckle up. All right, I'm marking it down as a loss with you. Is that I, at I, Rutgers? I, I, I want to disagree with that game. Like, is that at Rutgers? Hurt. It's at Rutgers. We're going to win at Rutgers. We're not going to bring Barber on that week. We should. <laughs> I don't know. All right, going to Pitt, we're going to lose that game. Yeah. So two and two. Two and two per Joe. I'm three and three and two. Uh, at Florida State, we're probably losing. How are How are we two and two with me and three and two with you? Because I think we're going to beat Marshall. Okay, then you have them three and one. Sorry, sorry, three and one. <laughs> I was already doing the next game. Oh. We're gonna lose. We're gonna lose to Florida State. Absolutely. Wake Forest at home, coming off some rockiness. It's time to get right. Right. I'm gonna bet that the person they're bringing in is not Sam Hartman. So yes. Three and three, you got him. I have him one game better. Syracuse on a Thursday night, we're winning that game. No. Really. Really. So we got two games to disagree so far. Louisville, we had UVA. You had Louisville, UVA winning at Louisville. We will also win against Louisville because Louisville is fake. So you got four and four. You have six and two. I have six and two. BC away. God, we always suck up there. Win. Got to have it. So I'm already bowl eligible. I'm on. Yeah, it, yours isn't happening. So then you got. I'm not sure mine happens. I'm not sure we win at BC. Okay, we're five and four with NC State still. How are we? Yeah, I missed. I missed marking a game for you somewhere. Was it one that you disagreed? I missed it for both of us. We're right there, bowl line going into NC State. Okay, lose to NC State. So, like, I think I think it's more likely we're playing for bowl eligibility against UVA than them playing oh. for bowl eligibility against us. But we're probably we're we're. I think we're just a tick above. Bowl I line want that to and, be handled by the time UVA we get to that tick game. Below bowl line. I would like for us to be in and them to be out when we get to that game, so they don't have anything to play for. I want them to be out. I like us to be eligible because we seem to show up for that when we do it. I mean, that's what ha- I say. It's easy to say when you beat them like 30 out of 31 times. But. Man, if we choke, though, that's just... Well. The JMU football schedule, they know who their opponents are. They just haven't released the schedule yet. But when they do, yeah, we'll go the through ACC theirs. ACC dropped today. And I haven't done a big, you know, looking at the whole ACC. I did see like one of Well, because why? Guys. If you're, honestly, if you're a Virginia Tech fan, you're like, whoa, what's everyone else's... Got? Yeah. Don't worry about it. Just worry I, about I counting to six. To see those, Let's like, get uh, to six. Non-conference games that we already know about. You know, and I think we already talked about them a few weeks ago. Where, yeah, but then know, I want to like, see once all the schedules are out. Then I look at that to see which yeah. games I want to watch every week. Yeah, 
But as for us, let's get to six. Yeah, we got to be bowl eligible this year. We got to get to a bowl this year. We got to take a step in the right direction. And let's wear the throwbacks as the regular home uniforms. And preferably create a road throwback and wear that. And even if it conflicts with the other team's colors, let's just wear it on the road too. Like, you know, Kansas State did that the other day. They wore purple and the other team was wearing blue. That Kansas, Kansas State. Why can't we just wear maroon versus red teams? Let's do it. Um, I will say this. I hate our uniforms. Um, it's not a secret to anyone who's listened to this podcast. I say it all the time. I don't know. <laughs> but I hate those. And I wish they would stop wearing them. The triple shoulder stripe. I mean, that's so lame. Yeah. I, I could handle something different. The all maroon everything and as little stuff on that maroon uniform as possible. Our uniforms great. used to be cool. I mean, the throwbacks were awesome. But the uniforms since the throwbacks were also pretty cool. And then they got to these triple shoulder stripes, and this is what they have stopped on. This is what they've been like, nope, this is it. We found it. And I wish they would stop because it's it doesn't look good. It And honestly, Leland, when I'm on Twitter and I see people be like, oh, this is our best uniform, I want to get those people checked out. I want to have them psychologically evaluated. <laughs> Because I don't think they are, they should be left alone because they might be a harm to themselves. And if they're with others, then others. Transitioning here, because I don't have anything to say. I don't, uh, that's fine. Uh, Florida State, LSU early in the season, week mm-hmm. one. Uh, UNC, South Carolina, week one. Those are the kind of the two that stand out in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame, NC State in week two. Oh. What's else sticking out here? VMI shows up. VMI's playing NC State. Florida State Clemson in uh, the fourth week of the season. That's early. Yeah. All right, that's kind of what stands out in September. I'm not going deeper than that, but uh, I must. Uh, I would assume they're missing some. Pitt, West Virginia play again week three. Good. I wish we played yeah. West Virginia again. I do too. I'll take that. Let's okay. Who you are we kidding out? Thing. You sent me that thing talking about like the optimal schedule. Yes, I did. It was pick three teams to play every year. Yeah. And I said uh West Virginia, Tennessee. And I think the other one was Penn, Penn State. State. Yeah, Penn State. I would like to play. And, that and I'd like that. I, I wouldn't argue with that. I, I would now that we don't play Miami every year, I, the next thing I would try to consider is like, well, should we try to be in Florida every year? The Gators. And so that the would, Gators you know, every year. I mean, yeah, Florida is the only non-conference one, I guess. But I, I don't know. Like, we need the games in Florida. So, but you know, playing Penn State every year would be awesome too. So, what you sent to me, I didn't disagree with. I just brought up the the talking point of recruiting the South, recruiting Florida. If I liked where we were better, I would say Ohio State because we always seem to play them well when Frank was here. But now that we are very much not at that level, I would not want to play Ohio State every year right now. I mean, I wish Miami was in our 3-3-5. I wish, I wish we didn't. Yeah, who's in our three? It's UVA, Boston College, and... No, not Boston College. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Um, who was it? Is Wake NC Forest, State? I think was still one of them. Wake Forest. 
UVA Pitt. Mm, that would make sense. Yeah. And but it was like Louisville's three was like an obvious change because they have UVA as one of them, and Miami as another one, and then somebody else. And I and it was like obvious, like if they just switched us in Louisville, it would have it would have been nice. Yeah, because it makes sense in my mind. As much as I would hate to still have Boston College in there, it would make sense for us to be with like those old Big E schools. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I mean, Syracuse I, would be the other option out of that. You could put us I with Syracuse. Want but, that. I mean, I don't. I I wanted to get away from the Big East, and so when they all when the, they followed us, like Miami, I'm fine with UVA. If we played UVA Miami every year, I wouldn't care who the third team was. I'd sacrifice for the third team. Like that's okay, fair. Yes, I totally agree. Fine, like whatever. If they wanted but, to put Clemson as the third team, I'd be like, bring them on. I mean, Clemson's easy for me to say because Clemson's the one I continually say like. They're so good. Like, why? Let's beat them. Let's beat them. Let's beat them. Let's let's learn their ways. Yeah, let's learn their ways and beat them. Right. Because they're not. On they the have the Beaches original NIL. They're not on South Beach. They're not in Florida. They're not in a metropolis. Like, like yeah. they have the same recruiting challenge as we do. They had the original Slightly NIL. Hard. Go out and beat them. Learn their ways. <sighs> <laughs> Don't actually comment on that. <laughs> yeah. Forward. What What do you know that I must know? Oh, that was the golf thing. But what's oh, been what, dominating what's my life? life yeah, what's been dominating my life? Um, Since we don't talk anymore. I need to catch up. That's true. We don't. That's by choice. Um, it's college football ends and we stop talking. It, it's amazing <laughs> how much of our conversations do revolve around college football. Because we just argue so much about it. Yeah. Um, but I, I appreciated your response. What were we arguing about? Oh, someone sent out that ridiculous 2014 super conference. And it was just like a Virginia tech fan probably made it. Cause it's just like, Oh yeah. SEC it includes Virginia tech. Every good did you notice Missouri is also region. kicked out of the sec in that? What say it again? Did you notice that they kicked Missouri out of the sec in that? Oh yeah. No, it was a dream thing. <laughs> and so like, and you're like, never going to happen. I was like, how is that an answer to the argument? Because that's the argument I make about your 16-team playoff with all the conference teams. Like, it's never going to happen. That's more realistic than a 24-team SEC team featuring yeah, those 24 gonna teams. Yeah, neither is going to happen. I'm, I'm confident neither is going to happen. I so would. You can accept that as your as your argument to that. If we are Russian. I just like, bye, because, like, it looked awesome. I, I mean, I knew it's not going to happen. To quote Matt Hatfield, Russian roulette for my life. Like Brett Farmer, Josh Allen last week. Russian <laughs> roulette for my life. I'd take the 16-team playoff happening before the 24-team SEC featuring those teams. It'd be half. They'd have to allow for like six SEC teams to be in it. If, if they, if that's no, it would just, <laughs> it would just be the other conferences banding together to tell the SEC. They're not going to dominate the playoff anymore. We're going to, there's only six at larges and you can only have two of them. The SEC is so confident with that. They'd be like, fine, we'll go play our own football conference and everybody's going to watch us. And they probably wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> probably. <not. laughs> um, but. Um, what was I going to say before you distracted me? You were going to tell me what's dominating your life. You were trying to think of what that was. Oh, I do know what was dominating my life this weekend. Um, for the first time in over a year, I turned on Peacock Saturday night and tried to watch the Royal Rumble. 
Oh my god! I didn't try. I successfully did. I successfully did. This one's for George Loss. Um, and Dan, Dan, I'll be happy. With oh, you. good, Dan, Dan, and George. This is a podcast for two now. Um, sorry, John Leonard. I'll do better next time. I won't allow this to happen. But I'll head this off in May when they have. Yeah, Jeff probably's not too pumped either if he's still listening. But overall, my opinion was I didn't love the rubble. Soccer talk, we can. <laughs> wow, Wrexham. But um, they uh, overall, I didn't love the rumble. I thought the the men's rumble. I was just never a huge fan of Cody Rhodes, so him winning the rumble, I was like, mm. and spoiler alert, <laughs> yeah, like you're gonna watch it. Uh, then there was something they called the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match, which is basically they just put the place in a black light. Um, that was that match was so fast. <laughs> it was incredibly fast. They want people to see what they're doing. Bray Bray Wyatt was insane as ever, and I did love his little shtick that they have going on um, because he plays a crazy person really well. Then they get to the women's rumble, and I just didn't care for that storyline either that they were trying to build. I think the highlight. Pat McAfee ended up being one of the commentators. So he had some funny one-liners and zingers in there. And then just something that the WWE will probably never change. They just say this stuff that you're like, well, obviously. And like during the Mountain Dew pitch black match, they're like, this is the first ever Mountain Dew pitch black match. And I was like, no kidding. <laughs> it's like the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match is sponsored by Mountain Dew Pitch Black. And I just like laughed. And I'm on the PS4 chat with another buddy who's watching it. And I was like, honestly, for the comedic value, I wish they had said the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match is sponsored by Dr. Pepper. Like just <laughs> something totally ridiculous is sponsored by Home Depot. Like just <laughs> something not Mountain Dew Pitch Black because I would have died laughing. But the mat that match itself was fine. It was just super fast. And then there's just some other crazy storylines and some of the other so you characters. Want the Tostitos Bowl brought to you by Ruffles. I will say this, <laughs> Leland. I have never felt further disconnected from the WWE because there were so many people that showed up that I was like, I have no idea who these people are. Well, when we get lost on next time, I'm I'm okay when our guests talk about. I'm I'm okay when we bring people. Yeah, on George, just know that I I did this for you and uh, Leland's being a butthole. I George is the man. I like him a lot. I'm just not into the wrestling. So I'm glad you had fun. I think he had that. a rumble party. Good for him. Good for him. I I I'll tell you a long time ago. Dan gave up on even talking about it with me. Like, well, he, Dan, he, I'm he not. This isn't an I invitation. Just, this isn't an invitation because of the storylines that I saw. I'm not super plugged in. I, I would say the odds of me watching WrestleMania are zero. Um, but that is in May, right? Like I was. I, I don't know, know, April or May. I don't know. Um, I will. I will say, while we're talking about George Loss, I know he's got a. Uh, he's raising money for a charity at Broadway. Yeah. Yeah, for his. Uh, Super Bowl squares competition. So if you haven't, yeah, I'll grab that and try to retweet it. Yeah, if you haven't, go ahead and join that um, and help support a good cause. I I bought a square number eight for Cal Ripken. 
um, who of course didn't play football, but you know, go Cal and uh, Leland's favorite Troy. So there you go. Troy Lamar weren't where's number eight, Mark Brunel, a lot of great eights, Steve Young. I think Mark Rippon was eight. I was, I was a fan of Steve Young back in the day. Trying to think of other eights. Junior? Dale Jr.? Oh, yeah, if we're going cross-sport, yeah. Kobe? Um, <laughs> Antoine Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Was Latrell Sprewell number eight? Um, he was like 15, wasn't he? Was he? I couldn't remember if he was... For some reason, I'm picturing a number eight on his back when he choked his coach. <laughs> oh, man. I think he was like... Uh, I don't know. You might be right. He played for so many teams, but I yeah. think But, man, a lot of great eights. If Tell us your favorite great eight when uh, you reply to this. Uh, and if it's a Yankee, then you're wrong. But, um, yeah, a lot of great eights that have played during the, the past decades. Um, man, good number. Joe Morgan. Sexy Rexy. Oh, my boy. That's your boy? Um, no. Ovechkin. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ovechkin, yeah. the great eight. Willie Stargell, my pirate, and he has the great uh, statue outside of PNC where you can, like, put your head underneath his hand. Like, it looks like he's, like, holding you from, uh, from his hand after hitting a solid double off the wall. How about Lamar that? Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I said Lamar. Lamar's wearing I mean, number eight now. Mark Brunel. Mark Brunel is a hugely underrated quarterback. Archie Manning did. Yeah. Albert Bell, yeah. Albert Bell, yeah. Hobby. Oh, I will say this. Albert Bell, like Trent Williams, Albert Bell is a man I would never want to cross. Albert Bell seems the right amount of crazy to act on it. We got down to Antoine Walker. Yeah, he'll break your jaw coming around second. The time he got hit, and it was, I love hey, this video. You're right. I thought he was wearing number eight when he choked that coach. That is, he's in the New York. I think. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I he was a Nick when he choked his coach. I, I do want to. I'm, I'm hopeful that. I'm no, you're him. right. He wore a bunch of different numbers, but I thought I remembered him when he when was he a was Nick. In New York. Yeah, I, wearing I, number that's eight. Why I didn't really comment on. Was that, that Jeff Van Gundy? He choked, or was that somebody that was, else? Uh, PJ Carlissimo. PJ Carlissimo. Man. Yeah. Yeah, he wore 15 in Golden State. Yeah. Golden State, Golden State, and then he wore eight the rest for New York Knicks and then the Timberwolves. So. We are both right. And when he was with the Timberwolves and wearing number eight, he had to feed his family, and that's why he needed $100 million or something. Sure. I don't remember what the number was. So he better cast it in. I don't remember. That $100 million is probably not correct, but I don't. it was some crazy amount that I was like, you're never going to get that money. And he's like, I got to feed my family. I was like, well. God, he, like, choked his coach his first year. He was there, too. Like, he got there and started choking him. Wow. We don't know what PJ said. Um, I don't know. And I've seen a lot of PJ like <laughs> Carlos and I get it. <laughs> you know who did wear number eight? Tony Romo, because he sucked. Um, 
but that'll do it for us. Or I guess it's your turn to tell it's them where to find us. It's my turn to do us. that. Where yeah. did Latrell Sprewell go to college? Oh, is it a D1 school? Um, I am pausing a second. <laughs> oh, not great. Because I thought I had it. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a D1 school, Power 5. Okay, D1, Power 5, Latrell Sprewell. Latrell Sprewell went to Arizona. It starts with an A. Alabama? Alabama. I had never in my life would have got that. I was saying, when you said it starts with an A, I was like, okay, that leaves Arkansas and Alabama. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't count this as a win for you. No. <laughs> you said Arizona. If you would have said Arkansas, I'd have been like, damn. But no, you didn't get that. <laughs> I get half credit. Um, no, not at all. That's a game we always play. I, you've been over a tournament. We do that. That's a name where he went to college. We do that all the time. We used to. We used to bring. Uh, I imagine it would be more fun when you're watching an NBA game. Um, I don't know. We do. We have uh, like tournament, like uh, Stephanie's brother, and then the Cash Boys. They used to come over, and we we we'd like do with them and we try to get like newer people which was easier for us uh but we try to get each other on it too like i'll I'll text ryan and steve both and just random player every once in a while I'll be like all right where'd mugsy bogues go so where'd mugsy bogues go uh, i was worried you're gonna ask um <laughs> the charlotte hornets <laughs> no he was in carolina though wake forest yeah Which that was like a good one for us. You know point. what? In honor of Valley Boys, where did Del Curry go? <laughs> Wait, you're asking me? Like I don't know. <laughs> That's for the listeners. Look it up. <laughs> they know. <laughs> well, for like the one 18 year old that found us by accident. There you go. Homework assignment. Say the most obvious thing. All right. It's been a fun week. I really loved having uh, Darrell on and uh, look forward to having him on again. Uh, we're wrapping up the uh, winter sports here. Wrestling actually was a little bit further along than I thought as the district got wrapped up this weekend uh, or last week by Riverheads. And then they had another big tournament. Um, so we have wrestling to dig into postseason. We have the regular season closing in some big games this week for particularly uh, Buffalo Gap on both both uh, girls and guys. Um, but also uh, some some big games for other teams, Fort Defiance too. So we'll be back next week to talk about all of that. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you're following us at Yak Sports Pod. That's how you find us on Twitter and Facebook. YakSportsPod at gmail.com is how you email us. And we are on all the major podcast uh, providers, Podbean, Apple, Google, and Spotify. Yak Sports Pod is the way you find us, Y-A-C sports pod your augusta county sports we'll be back next week to talk about all the sports that matter to you here on the exports podcast you've been listening to yak sports your augusta county sports podcast